Hello, everyone. This is Caleb, your GM. A quick word before our show today. I hope you're all enjoying season three of Trailblazers. We're enjoying making it. We had to split this episode into two recording sessions. And in between them, we realized Dom was using the wrong mic. So about an hour into the episode, you're going to hear his mic quality change. And the same with David's. We actually got David a new mic in between episode two and three, and his new mic had the same problems his old one did. Oh my goodness. So we've bought him a new mic that is the same as Tim's. So that should fix it. We tried a couple things to boost David's audio. It may sound like blown out at parts. It's not not like too loud, but just the quality of it. It's all going to be normalized. But I just want to give you my apologies for you know some of the mic quality in today's session. It shouldn't be a problem moving forward. With all that said, thank you all for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's program. Well, a caster has to take a little bit of time to learn a fireball that makes an explosion that big. We didn't have uh, casters around all the time where I'm from, so we learned how to do it with technology. But it works just as well, doesn't it? Yes, it does. I tell you, this is going to be quite helpful to us, Mr. Irons. Irons. Well, Mr. Irons, and he waves someone over. It's a, it's a rope. Let me, let me, let me, let me explain something here. I, I've been meaning to talk about this. Talk to the listeners for a second. We're going to step out of the game. Uh, listen, it's been six years since uh, in between season two and three. I'm a little rusty. You know, listening to session one, uh, there's a lot of descriptions that I didn't, I didn't do. I've never been particularly good. That's a weakness of me as a GM is descriptions. But uh, I'm especially failing here. So I'm going to try to do better with descriptions of characters. Maybe like we've seen David. I'm sorry, we've seen Hanzo for three episodes. Why are we describing him now? It's because Caleb never really did it in the first two episodes because he's a he's a great audio content producer. And uh may, and that, that's what the best ones do is they completely drop the ball. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. And also we all kind of agreed that we weren't super happy with the way we ran combat, or not the way we ran it, but the way we presented it, it so much to the audience. Hated it so much. But wait, hold up now. Hold on. Wait a second. Sorry. That's not <laughs> hold on. Yeah, Tim, no, Tim, 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 come here. Yeah, a second. Okay. You, said, you said you liked it. I think it was you, okay. You said it was okay. What are we talking about? After oh, listening oh, to oh, it, after like, you listening to it, like, you put it in any process. You don't okay, talk about sorry, this later. Sorry. We'll talk about this later. Hey guys, we're back. Um, so, <laughs> so you know, we're we're gonna do a little bit something different with combat for this episode. Uh, thanks for sticking around, giving us another try, and we'll, we'll do our best. Caleb's Caleb's rusty. All right, can a guy be rusty? Is that all right with you? Is that right with everyone? Is that okay? No. I want to roll dice. Victor gets rusty every, every now and then. He has to like take some sandpaper to it. Yeah, WD-40. <laughs> That's the true. Or Coca-Cola. If anything survives this war, is it's DW40 that completely radicalize the whole world of trailblazers. <laughs> so, Valerian beckons over a man dressed in what would traditionally you'd expect to be Roman clothing. That sort of like armored skirt. It's like in slats down. Uh, he's wearing a lot of purple and bronze. And he comes over, obviously, uh, you know, like this armor, I'm not going to call it decorative, especially now that they're in the middle of a war and on the field and, and not have been able to, you know, deploy from centers of uh, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so it's definitely uh, designed for battle, but it's definitely definitely also a little ornate, definitely show, to show his station. So he comes over and Valerian introduces him. This is Tiberius. He is a legatus of the Fifth Legion. 
that Caleb decided to make up. There's actually only one legion we call it the fifth legion. Everyone's like, oh no, they must have five legions. We're so scared of them. <laughs> All the other legions are clockwork. But uh, this is Tiberius. Tiberius, this is Mr. Irons. You two are going to spend tonight together. I want you to brief him on the enemy's capabilities and show him how all this tech works, and he'll disseminate down his ranks. Does that sound agreeable, Mr. Irons? Yes, and let's try to get as much of the enemy as we can to still intact, so I can kind of go over some of the weak points and all of that with, with him. Tiberius looks you up and down. He's eating a grape at the moment. He's a little bit relaxed, it seems. He's, he's kind of eyeing you up, sizing you up. Hmm. Oh, yeah, I think we have a I think everyone's voice has been like this. Caleb's also dropped the ball really on doing voices. Every voice has been kind of like this, whether it be a uh, a dwarven blacksmith or Valerian or just some random dude named Tiberius. We've really just done this voice. It's the only voice I can do. This is a season two, right? Not everybody can be Christopher Walken, all right? So cool your jets. Uh, All right, somebody pick a celebrity for this guy to be. You're not allowed to say Sean Connery. Morgan Freeman. I can't do any accents. What are you talking about? Why would you even suggest that? Tiberius goes, uh, Oh, you know he should be. Does does anyone remember uh, Specialist Ramsey? Yeah, I like the idea that everyone that's kind of higher up, especially of like the old school of the Empire, has that really obnoxious accent. Cockney British, like pretentious. Yeah. Well, I don't know if we ever want to put a name to it because the people will be like, "Caleb, you're doing the accent bad," uh, <laughs> which I am. He goes, uh, "Well, Mister Irons, we uh, I think that can be arranged. We got a couple of uh, big chunks of guys left over that you could take a look at." I think you, and he puts an arm around you and he kind of starts dragging you away. I think you and I will have a relationship that will bear grapefruit. I hope so. Tell me about that arm. Well, it happened because of an accident at work. Hanzo, you and I will go to my tent and we'll, we'll talk next steps. You got it. Hope and Thorin, I will have a, a tent prepared for you. I'll have some men, he gestures over some men who are also flanked by a couple clockwork. They'll show you to your tent. Look the clockwork up and down, and then I look back at Valer and I go, appreciate it. <laughs> Anytime. He takes you, Hanzo, into his his big tent. All right, I follow him. <sighs> well, Hanzo, sorry things have been uh, so chaotic, but it really is it is great to see you. I shouldn't, I shouldn't, and I'm not surprised that you made it alive. I mean, going out on your own is what you do. If you couldn't do that by yourself, you wouldn't have been any good to me these past years. So, of course, it was no surprise, but uh, you did get here quick. I'm impressed. That was quite a surprise, too, for me. Couldn't have made it without the help of uh, the others there. Mm, he kind of scowls at you mentioning them. Oh, Hanzo, you do yourself a disservice. I believe you could have. How many missions have you done by yourself? Too many to count now. Mm, truly. Well, no sooner are you here that I have another mission for you. This, uh, this war, I'm afraid, is not going to leave much leisure time between us. Not that you've taken advantage of much leisure time that you've gotten in the past. Then, who's the target this time? The target is an object. We lost a clockwork factory up in the north. And unfortunately for us, it, it contained mm, an experiment. I need you to get there and get the control scroll. You remember this, don't you? Uh, when we were storming my father's palace before then, you remember you went and you sabotaged the control scroll in the first clockwork factory? Oh, yeah. Just like the good old days. <laughs> yes, except instead of sabotaging this time, we just want it retrieved. We can't have it falling into the enemy's hands. It's just the scroll. That's right. You can get a small team. Uh, I don't think you know many people here, but Tiberius, I'll have him pick some of his best men that can go with you. 
and you can small team in and out infiltration. Actually, I've already got the people in mind for this job. Really? Yep. Leave it to me. Then. And who are you picking? If the name Hope or Thorin comes out of your mouth. Yes. <laughs> Notice they didn't come out of his mouth. Yeah. Seriously, Hanzo. Truly. You're going to pick a, a, a mad woman who just tried to kill me, who thinks she's my daughter, and a terrorist to join you. You fought with them for one night. They have proven they're worth a combat. And on another note, I'll be able to keep an eye on her at all times. Mm, I don't like this. Especially Thorin. He's a maniac. And he tried to kill me. And you, you hear Mana, who's kind of on the other side of the tent, say to herself, but obviously out loud enough to be heard, oh, I guess I'll be the first person you've ever made friends with who tried to kill you. Keep your friends close and enemies closer. I follow that principle. Mm. We could just kill him, and then he wouldn't have to be kept close or closer. And Mana comes over and says, will you really not work with him, or at least let Hanzo work with him? When have you ever refused Hanzo's judgment? Valerian snaps at her. He's a terrorist who tried to have me killed. He tried to overthrow the imperial government. He killed the Senate. (laughs) And what would the Empire have called me, I wonder, when I stormed the palace and went into that throne room and butchered men whose only crime was that they were doing their job of guarding the emperor? Hmm? And when I killed your dad right next to you, what do you think they would have called me? Valerian gets very serious. Are you saying that I am the same as that tyrant? That I'm, and she interrupts him. What I'm saying is I think you and Thorin have more in common than you're willing to admit. Valerian's kind of quiet at this. Do you have anything to say, Hanzo? That's when I use vantage and walk away. (laughs) It's a good round. Where'd where'd Hanzo go? (laughs) You just hear under his breath, awkward. Yeah. Ooh, can't be in here. Hanzo uses the spell word oof to disappear and, and walk away. <laughs> I did the peace sign like that one guy did. Yeah. <laughs> the meme? He's Spanish. That's great. Thorn. Yes, sir. You and Hope are led to a, a pretty small tent. Once they make sure that you've walked in it and then you're in it, they leave and close the flap. And Hope looks at you. Well, what do you think? Uh, I peek outside the tent flap real quick. There's no one standing guard near you, but you are in the middle of the encampment, so there's plenty of dudes all around. I think that we are in the hornet's nest, and the hornets just haven't chosen to sting us yet. Yeah. Is there a cot there? A couple of cots? Yes. I put my pack on the ground next to one, and I flop down. Uh, and I say, well, if he was going to kill us, he would have done it already. Yeah, I wish we could have done it already. So let me let me try to get some clarity here. You know mm. me, and in these different worlds, we're friends. Yes, it's essentially in the future. I mean, we've changed things now, but if these guys didn't invade, it would have been the future. Okay. And... Our future was to kill Valerian. Yes. At the end of all things, when the war with the North turned into the war with the world, Valerian waged it across everyone. Mana had been assassinated. He went berserk. 
and nothing could satiate his pain. Mm. He he did every like it was it was it was less just destroying the north. Like he would then fight civilian targets, but things just kept escalating, and eventually he just started burning down forests because obviously the north has nature on their side. So now he's essentially warring with the world. You know what do you call it? Um, where you salt the earth? There's a word for it um, in warfare. Uh, oh yeah, um. it was scorched earth, and literally it was. And so everything was just being destroyed. Mm. By the time I think we had three chances to kill my dad. Once you weren't there, it was just Hanzo at the early part of his of Valerian's madness, and he failed. And then the second time was during a big battle, and we failed. And after that failure. The resistance was completely like we, we put everything into that fight. It was at Tanlu. You might know the city. I know the city. It's a nice place. So from then on, the war was over. There was nothing. There was not enough people left. There was not enough mass to just stop him. So it was just going worse and worse. And at that point, we, we just made our way to the palace over like 10 years, infiltrated and killed him. And, you know, at that point, like if we stopped him at the first, we could have saved the world. If they stopped him at the second battle, maybe we could have. You know, some semblance of the world could have been saved, but we didn't. So the third battle wasn't about saving the world. I don't know if it ever was. It was just about killing them. Well, and this is because Mana was assassinated. You're saying that's, that's the event that kick, kicked it off. It's a funny thing to say. Yeah, it's the event that kick, kicked it off, but it's not. It wasn't the because. Gotcha. Many people lose their wives and don't tear the world down for it. Lose their spouses. Lose who they love. It's not about that. As a matter of fact, Hanzo, the reason he finally woke up against my father was that he was ordering Hanzo to go kill people in Mana's name. And Hanzo wouldn't take it. He wouldn't have it. Well, that does leave me with a question. Mm. In this timeline, I guess, I know why I want to kill Valerian. Part of it is because I think that he's evil. My personal opinion. Part of it is because I'm stuck in between a rock and a hard place. The rock being the empire, the hard place being Antioch in the north. I know why I want to kill him. It's not so clear to me why you want to kill him so badly. At least this version of him. In Victor's land, we found another version of him. And I thought maybe he was different or could be different or had become different, but he wasn't. because. In the end, he was still Valerian. And he did the same thing in that world that he did in mine. In, in ours, in this, few, in this world's future, he destroyed it. There's nothing left of Victor's home except that city in the sky, and that's not really his home. And it's just, it's who he is. He needs to go. And whether it saves this world or not, I don't care. Like the first time I fought him, that wasn't a factor. It was maybe, a, it could have been a positive benefit if we won the first or second battle, but it that wasn't what was happening. If that was the case, we wouldn't have gone after him the third time. And it's, it's my purpose. It's why I exist. When I left my time, I don't know if anyone is there anymore. I don't know if that timeline continued or if it ceased to be. I don't know. But I know my purpose when I was, when I was warped over. I thought it was, I made a wish, Thorne. I made a wish to try to undo the mistake. And, and, and we found in the end that it was never going to happen. And that... Where we are here now is the fulfillment of that wish, as garbage as that is. And so 
that was never that wish was never my purpose to stop what was happening just because it, just like it was never my purpose when I was alive before the wish. My purpose is to kill Valerian. That's why I exist. Why I draw breath. No one else can do it. You realize in three timelines or two and yeah, three timelines. If we're counting this one, in three timelines, no one else could do it. I can do it. I've done it twice. I'm getting pretty good at it. It's the Manx family legacy. We're good at killing our dads. So no one else can do it here. And if while I'm here, it's your only world's chance to get rid of them. Well, what I will say is there's a bit of a complicating factor in all of this. And what's that? <laughs> that would be uh, a large floating city sitting above our world. While it was just the Empire in Antioch, the lines were quite clear. Them versus us. Well, I say them like I'm still in Antioch, but not the point. Now there's a third option, and I'm not entirely certain that I like the outcome if that third option wins this whole thing. It's not, it, it can't just be about killing Valerian in the, in the short term. It has to be about stability in the long term. Yeah, that's, that's a fool's game, Thorn. Trying to determine, can we determine the course of history? We leave him alive long enough. Here, let me, let me say a quote that Valerian, my dad himself told me, or, or is famous for saying, the reason evil people are still alive is because people too smart for their own good think that they can use them or that there's reasons to keep them alive. Whether it's we leave them so that we can eventually give them punishment or the empire is famous for employing evil people because evil people are good at killing evil people. That's why my dad has kept uh, that, that, that Ramsey fellow around for so long. Inevitably, they'll outlast you, or at least the chance there is high. Here's a lesson I learned from my dad. He's never been big on torture or things like this. He feels death is enough of a punishment. Give him to the afterlife and move on. Freaking, I'll subscribe to that. And I'm not going to be here and try to, try to play politics and what will happen when he's here, not here, and what's best until he ends up outliving me. My chances are gone. I'll take my chances when they're in front of me. Mm. You really believe in this war? That say, say we, 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 what's your plan? That we get to the end of this war, we defeat the Kadeshi, and then we go after Valerian? What are the chances you and I survive it? One crisis at a time. Yeah, that's how evil people prosper. She says as if she's quoting something, you should never grade evils, for if one is the worst, then you might be tempted to kinship with the least. Mm. <sighs> I'm not sure I agree with you. Time is a great thickener of things. If you can look forward into the future and tell me which seed will sprout, which seed will not speak thusly to me. You can't tell me that eliminating Valerian now is what's best. I've got two histories that tell me it is. I only have mine. Do I think he's an evil man? Yes. Do I think that the world is better off with him out of the picture? I do. Do I think the world is better off with him out of the picture? And the Kadeshi in charge, or God forbid, Setsuko. I don't. Hmm. Funny you should bring her up. But all your plans and all that stuff, how'd that work out with the North? How many times did you make these little stupid decisions of leave the evil guy alive long enough, or do this or do that? When it's right in front of you, you kill him. Don't you wish now you'd killed Setsuko the many times you had the chance? Wasn't each time there was a reason that seemed good enough not to do it? Have me there. Let me ask you a question. See, when you and I went after my dad, mom was already dead. 
here she's alive. What was, what was your plan for her? You had to know that she was going to be at his side when you went after him. I didn't think about, I was so dumb. I didn't think about that at all because I never had to. I meant what I said in the tent. I like your mother. She's smart. If anyone can rein in your father, it's her. Personally, I like a future where she's alive. But Valerian, I don't see how he can be a part of that without being an emperor. And thus without trying to dominate the world entirely. Thorin, your phantom, kind of stands at attention and looks at the front flap. There is hustle and bustle about your tent. And the flap is moved back and two clockwork come in. They're Valerian's clockwork, they're Praetorian's, but Valerian does not come in. You suddenly realize you're cornered and your equipment's down by your cot. What do you do? What Thorin will do is he will take his sword with its sheath and just hold it in his left hand. Okay. And then he'll look at Hope and go, I think we're expecting company. Hope's eyes will start to... Uh, the, the sort of, I don't know if they're veins, but the, what look like veins to me in your eyes, they, they glow blue mm-hmm. with electricity. The hair on your arm starts to stand up with a little bit of static electricity. There's electricity about there. You can kind of taste ozone. Mm-hmm. And then following the two clockwork Praetorian guards is Valerian. Good afternoon. Could I have a word? Feel free. I slide to the en- other end of my cot and I sort of... Tap it. (laughs) Valerian eyes you in the cot. You can see him like it's a willful. He breathes in and breathes out. (laughs) Then he acquiesces. He walks over to the cot and sits next to you. I lean my sword in its sheath. If there's like a little wooden tent stand holding up the top of the tent next to me, I'll just lean it there next to me. Okay. Is Is this emotion as if I'm putting it out of my reach or... Hey, it's in my reach. What's your message? It's it's not out of my reach, but it's not in my hand. Okay. I think hope kind of, I think the electricity will die down, but not dissipate completely. Sure. You almost hear a whisper. Oh, he's a little close to Thorn. (laughs) Valerian kind of looks down and then he looks at you and he says, I killed my dad. I killed an emperor. Thorn, if I was in your shoes, I'm not sure I would have done anything differently. He takes a tone that very much mimics Hope's tone earlier of a quote. He says, sometimes you have to make peace with the fact that you are the villain in someone else's story. Even if you thought you were doing the right thing, you don't get to tell them how to narrate their experience. I'm not going to apologize for what I did, but perhaps we do have more in common than we're both willing to admit. Well, this is interesting. I look at Hope. The electricity goes away. In the two years that I've known your father, and I look back at Valerian, this is the first time I've seen you humble. <laughs> well, humility doesn't usually get the job done when you have to lead the biggest nation on the planet. I'll give you that. Listen, it doesn't mean that I like you or think that somehow you are the good guy, but I do still think we have larger problems in the immediate than our disagreements. Hope just quietly and suddenly just shaking her head disappointingly. Hanzo's going on a mission tomorrow at first light. He's requested you join him, both of you. You can go with my blessing. If you don't want to, I'd like to say that I'd give you provisions on your way, but we need everything we have. What I can promise you is 
a full belly tonight and a night's rest here, but you'll have to go in the morning. It's the best I can do for you. If you do want to join him, then I'll have a briefing in about an hour in, in the main pavilion tent. Very well. I'll be there. And I look at Hope to see if, if she nods or anything. Hmm. Yeah, it's a nod of agreement, but it's not pleased. Then I, then I look back at Valerian and I said, we will be there. Very well. He stands up, dusts off his pants, and he extends to you a hand. I stand up. I look at the hand. I'll shake it. You shake a firm handshake. And you kind of notice Thorin, uh, Thaddeus, the side of your eye, he gives the symbol of the Empire, which is the old Roman symbol of, of you know, kind of making a fist on your chest, on your opposite side of your arm, very much the symbol of a, a citizen would give to the Emperor. I look at him, and I go, okay, let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> Your your phantom laughs inaudibly. And Valerian leaves the tent. So that is the quantum flange right there. <laughs> and if you hit that, like it just everything blows up. Uh so don't just hit that. Um because it would probably take out like half of this tent. So we have to be careful. Mm-hmm. He's got like a uh thirty uh 300-year half-life or something like that. I don't know. One of the soldiers says, one of those dudes with the swords in their arms, would you call them again? The dark troopers? Yeah, yeah. Those dark troopers, they keep trying to grab my soldiers' arms and cutting them off. Oh, yeah, yeah, they do that. Um, yeah, don't, don't let them do that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, what, what do you want me to tell you? Cut their arms off first. <laughs> All right. Any way to stop them from exploding? Sometimes when we do enough damage to them, they grab onto us and try to explode. Well, they do explode. Right, 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 right. Yeah, you have to destroy them first. As long as their brain, like, I guess you have a brain, uh, their brain chip, if you can take that out, it won't send the signal to the, the bomb. Okay. All right. And they ask a few more questions, but this is the, you guys have walked in at the end of the, the, the brief, the mission, the, the, the debriefing, the briefing. I don't know. I don't know military words. All right, Caleb, listen, I'm a, I play video games. All right. I pretend to be in the military with video games. That's what I do. I'm not really, I don't know these things. <laughs> so it ends and everyone starts clearing out of the tent. Hey guys, that Tiberius is kind of a tech freak. He like wanted one of my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> what I miss? You didn't agree to that, did you? Oh, no. Hey, Hanzo! Hmm. I, I have something for you. What you got there? Uh, this is mine, my personal, uh, but I want you to have it. And a handover basically looks like a metal backpack. I look at it quizzically. This is a jetpack. This will allow you to fly. I've seen that you're pretty graceful on your feet. I've never been that graceful. I'm pretty good with the jetpack theory. Uh, but in practice, I am like a rock strapped to a rocket. It's not good. So I want you to to have this, and kind of you kind of hear like a little bit of wobble in his voice as he hands it over to you. I take a look at it in my hands, but I can't make you know heads or tails out of this thing. Oh, I'll teach you how to do it. Uh, here, take these, and I hand him two rings. You put these on your thumbs, and you can control movement. Of the jetpack after you strap it onto yourself, and I show him how to strap it on. And what am I supposed to do with this again? Oh, it, you can fly. 
fly. Yeah. Without like having to do magic. It it you know what a rocket is? I don't think I do. No? No. Oh. Uh well, it's gonna send out fire from your back and it will lift you off the ground and help you fly fairly fast. Well, I definitely gotta see this first. I can give you a demonstration, but like I said, I'm not I'm not very good with it. Landris was better at it. Is it Landris? Yeah, yeah, he was my friend. Oh, well, where is he now? He's dead. Ah, uh, shame. Like all of them. Uh, but I can help you with it. I, I'll teach you how to do it. I'll definitely give it a try. Then. Valerian enters in the tent, and behind him is that clockwork you saw before with the veil in his in front of the empty helmet. Good, everyone's here. Take a seat. The mission you're being sent on today is to go to a clockwork factory that was compromised. Kadesh have destroyed it. I haven't been able to get many scout reports. I don't know to what level they are occupying it, but we're expecting resistance. I would have had Victor here brief you on the enemy capabilities, but as I understand, Hanzo has told me that you have enough first-hand experience. You need to get in there and acquire an item. Hanzo knows what it is and what it looks like. It's incredibly valuable, and if it fell into the enemy hands, it could be a real significant problem for everyone involved. So your objective is to get in, get it, and get out. This is Friedrich Jan, and he gestures to the clockwork. Friedrich, you say? I thought he was dead. Uh, yes, well, his death was short-lived. Well, <laughs> not short-lived, but it's over nonetheless. Short-deathed? Friedrich kind of shuffles a little bit uh, uncomfortably. Regardless of the past, let us talk about the future. You are going to a factory that we designed new clockwork from. As such, it had the capability to manufacture all the newer, more advanced clockwork designs. Most recently, it was attempting to put some of what we learned while making the clockwork fiends into creating something that was going to radicalize clockwork design. But nothing more than a single prototype was ever produced. So you will find clockwork guardians, mages, I think we had a couple of priests stationed there, gunslingers, angels, and fiends. If you come across any of them that are still online, they should be able to help you. About those, is there anything we should need to know about the experiments? Like the weaknesses? Hmm, that is a good question. Thorin sits forward, or leans forward. I'm not sure why you would need to know about the weaknesses of the experiments. Everything there should be on your side, helping you. The idea is to use them to help you destroy the Kadishi. But if you are interested, most are vulnerable to electricity, as always. The Clockwork Fiend is resistant to fire because he makes use of high temperatures. The mages, the priests, are using wands and other such enchanted objects to mimic casting. So they are vulnerable the way most casters are vulnerable. But I think you are more interested in their strengths. There are a variety of mages there. You could want to get some buffs from them. Don't bother taking the clockwork angel's weapon. It is only in the angel's grip that it is enchanted. <laughs> a clever implementation I designed to prevent our enemies from reusing our weapons against us. Fair enough there. Uh, one last thing. 
I'm assuming there's only one scroll to begin with, so there's no confusion. Yes, that is correct. In fact, I have a special container for that. It holds a specialized canister that can hold the scroll. It's a, it's a scroll tube. Okay. You can put it in here, and this will guarantee it will contain the magic. The fiends and angels are some of our best designs. If you come across them, they would make significant allies. Duly noted. And I'm sorry, what is the item that we're looking for in all of this? Valerian speaks up instead of Friedrich, and he says, Hanzo knows. Hanzo knows. Yep. Uh, Thorin sits back in his chair and starts twiddling with a pencil. Yeah, so me being the Antiochian that I am, uh, rumor is that each one has an off switch somewhere. <laughs> that is funny. That sounds like a good misinformation campaign. Is that part of your propaganda, Emperor? No. They all must be wound. They can run out of spring power, and they must be wound again. Chances are, with the destruction that has been wreaked on this factory, many of the clockwork you find will not have been wound, or not been rewound, and they will be deactivated. You could find their key and wind them. It is possible to reactivate them, but it is unlikely that you have the strength to do so. We usually use clockwork to do these things. We use Goliaths to turn the dragon's keys. Victor raises his hand. Uh, oh, uh, um, can I get some, maybe, schematics to look at of these clockwork? Yeah, schematics would be lovely. Valerian's face kind of scowls when he hears you say that, Thorn. Not here. But in the factory, if you come across them, you can look at them, and I would be more than pleased if you brought them back. Okay. Uh, they don't seem, I mean, they seem different than the robots, but not. I think I could understand the, their workings. A lot of it is moving by springs and gears. We use some magic, but what makes the clockwork different from golems is that they do not involve magic whatsoever. It's what makes them so different, so important. Actually, I'm pretty proud of it. You see, I went... And Valerian kind of puts a hand on, on his metal shoulder and says, any other questions? <laughs> uh, during that, like, um, Victor had a little notepad. He started writing stuff with that down. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Friedrich. Hanzo here informs me that, Thorin, you have the ability to teleport. I nod. Excellent. We will make use of that. Come here and I will uh, I'll grant you the location. I approach him. He puts his, his, hand, his, his hand out for you to grab his arm. I do. He shares his memories with you via spell. It may even be called share memories. And you see the clockwork factory in all its glory, all its you know non-before-it-was-destroyed glory. And you now picture the area perfectly so that you can use your teleport spell. Okay. Let's roll, let's roll a d20 on your wisdom check. If you roll high enough... Uh, maybe I'll give you a little piece of like cool information that maybe he didn't mean to share. Cool. So that would be a 10 plus 6 and to, for a 16. You see it's fuzzy because it's not a memory that was meant to be shared with you. It's almost as if you're looking through a, what's the term, through a glass darkly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's something gigantic. It's kind of slumped over into like a big pile and then it writes itself to an incredible height and, and it gets wider. And then it fuzzy and disappears and the memories done being shared. There, now you should be able to teleport without worrying about jettisoning yourself into the ocean. I rub my eyes as if trying to clear them. Thank you. Hope 
mimicking Victor, raises her hand. <laughs> Nobody has to raise her. Yes, girl. Yeah, can we use some of the great wealth of the greatest nation on the planet to equip ourselves? If there are things you need, I'm sure we can get some of them for you. It's not like I have access to everything at the moment, given the sacking of my home. Well, do you have cash? Cash? Yes. I don't know what good it would do to you. We could use some cash. Oh, uh, and a metamagic rod. You need one of those, don't you? Yeah, that's actually exactly what I was going to buy. Oh. Unless one of your, your casters here have a metamagic wand. I need a quick and metamagic wand. If you have a greater one, that'd be fantastic, but I bet you don't. No, I don't have a greater one. I'm sure we can scrounge up one for you, yes. Anything else? Uh, any potions of cure serious wounds that you can offer us <laughs> would be nice. Yes, that shouldn't be a problem. I can scrounge up some for you. Appreciations. Does anyone else have any questions? Hanzo has been told of the layout, the most direct way to get to the inner chamber. Very well. You go in the morning, spend tonight here, eat food, rest well, and be ready to fight in the morning. Um, is it nighttime yet? Is, is the sun descended? Yeah, sure. We'll say, you know, it's, it's that time where the sun's just setting, and you're starting to get the wonderful colors in the sky as things darken. Okay. I try to find a more emptier spot in the camp. Okay. I'm sure you find a little bit of privacy. And I want to talk to Thaddeus for a little bit. Okay. Do you have him still summoned? Yeah. In his ectoplasmic form? Yeah. That is sensing you want to talk because you his attention. I'm sorry about the paladin in Corhal. His face changes. He, he's surprised at this topic. This is not what he expected you to say. He looks a little sad. I was blind with murder in my heart. And rather than adjusting to the changing situation, uh, I cast the cares of others aside. And I'm sorry. The phantom cries. A tear comes down. She smiles at you. He does the sign of, of the, what would we call it? We, we looked up the word, the, the, the sign of the cross, the something crucis. Uh, yeah, the, the signum crucis. Sign, signum crucis? So. Listen, I'm a Christian, guys, but I'm not a Catholic, all right? I'm doing my best here. Give me a break. Guys, remember I said about I'm being rusty? Can I have a little bit of a break here, please? I'm getting all these emails. Oh, they're coming in right now. Somehow they're listening live. Just give Caleb, me a break. you don't know Christian. Oh, man. Oh, this is the worst. I'm gonna I'm gonna mail you some Kit Kats, Caleb. Wait, I don't understand that. Wait, wait, how did this jump to Kit Kats? Give give you a break. Give me a break. All right. Give me a break. Hey guys, sorry, Dom's leaving the show. He had uh, other <laughs> other things he had to do. It's a big shame. Oh, we're all so sad about it. Uh, I, 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 uh, but he does the signum crucis, almost as if a, a priest absolving somebody. It, and it's almost you get a sense of him saying, "I'm not the one forgiving you." I do have a question for you. He, he, he nods as if to say, go on. When you and I first met, for lack of a better term, I asked you what you thought of Valerian. The, the sense I got from you was that uh, he would be willing to give up everything just to be king of the ashes. Is that still your thought? Um, he thinks a little bit, and then he nods. Hmm. Thank you, my friend. He gestures uselessly, and is... And makes the symbol, he pounds on his chest again as, as a citizen would, to say, like, I'm an imperial citizen. But, and he pulls back his sleeve to show a shackle, as if to say, just like you are, there's certain choices I can't make right now. Well, then, we'll take it one day at a time, until I can return you to your home, and I can return to mine. You say, 
one day at a time, he kind of smiles and puts his hand on your shoulder. But then when you say you return him to his home, he looks down with depression and lets go of your shoulder as if to say, let's not make promises we can't keep. Uh, I do the same thing. I put my hand on his shoulder and reassure him. He smiles at you and he puts his hand on his hilt as if to say, I'm ready. And we return, I, I assume, back to a campfire near our tent. Sure. Hanzo and Thorn, anything you'd like to do tonight before we pass into the morning? Thorn just did something. You mean Victor and, Sorry. Victor and Hanzo? Yeah, I did mean Victor and Hanzo. I, I do oh. have something oh. I want to... Oh, did Caleb get the names wrong again? Th- don't worry, guys, that'll be the last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about that. I get more emails. Oh, they're just pouring in again. Where is Hope? She's, she's in her tent. You know Thorn walked off. And Victor, somewhere else, you know she's alone in the tent. Okay. Uh, actually, try to sneak into her tent. So you, you sneak in. Are you, are you actually turning invisible, or is this just kind of mundane stealth? Mundane stealth. I'm not going to have her look for you, but I'm going to roll a perception check just in case she kind of notices you versus your, um, your stealth. Oh, okay. Let's do with that. Oh! Hope rolled a natural 20, plus 15 for 35. I rolled a 15, plus 22 bonus, giving me 37. Wow, so that you both rolled high there. She actually had a chance versus your massive plus 22. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> even with the natural 20, did not notice the stealth of this ninja. You catch her, and a state of undress is too, too serious a term. She wears this, this long trench coat, sort of complicated. It's got layers, and on the back... Made with duct tape is the picture of a rabbit. She's taken this trench coat off, and you can now really see the back of her head. While she has really short white hair, and she has almost what looks like mascara around her eyes that that is like permanently running, but it's definitely like a burn mark. It looks like, but on the back of her head, you can see she has these metal portholes in a grid pattern on her on her head, where it's it's shaved and hair has not grown back. And uh, you can really see all this because she's like getting comfortable inside the tent and has taken off the, the trench coat. Oh, okay. And she's kind of just like rubbing her head and, and kind of touching the, the ports. Okay. Sent from behind her, I say, still think about killing Valerian? She, she jumps and was like, man, I rolled a plus 20. How did, how did I not notice you? <laughs> uh, it, it almost falls over. And she goes, don't do that. I would answer the question if I were you. Oh, are you threatening, threatening me, lapdog of the emperor? You could say that. Since I held the cold hand of my father in one hand, and his cloak crumpled up on the other, while I was bleeding on top of him, burnt and nearly dead, I haven't stopped thinking about it. I vanished, and then within a few moments, I'm already behind her, and I have my blade drawn. Up to her neck. So is this it? Valerian comes in saying that everything's okay, but then sends you secretly to take me out? No. But if it weren't for the fact that you're his daughter, I would have slit your throat by now. And then I vanish one more time, and surrounding her is myself and in shadow clones, complete with a ring around her. So let me give you a word of advice here. So long as I live, you will not touch Valerian. <sighs> I don't need a display of your capabilities. I've watched you kill many men. I've watched you turn into duplicates many times, vanish, walk through walls, walk up into the air like you're walking on stairs. You don't need to show me what you can do. I'm well familiar, uncle. And I know you're this way because you were brainwashed. And I know that there's 
somebody deep inside that husk you call mind. And I wish, I wish I knew how to bring it back. She's crying. You think what I've done are crimes? I, I don't know. I just know that they were wrong. Wrong, you say? Hanzo Hattori, are you going to look me in the eye and tell me that letting the plague up in the north was right? I dissipate all my shadow clones first, and then I say, tell me again the crimes I've committed, and I'll tell you the price of victory. And that's when I turn my back and walk away. She wipes her face. Victor. I go off to be with by myself, and I drop down on both knees and take my sword and plant it before me. And just hold each of the cross guards, the sides of the cross guard. And I say, dearest Iomade, lady of valor, bringer of all that's good, grant me your audience. Well, it's not quite the right position, but you're getting there. Iomade says, winking into existence in front of you. I look up at her and say, renew my courage so I might overcome my grief. I ask this of you completely at your mercy because, let's face it, I'm at your mercy. I'm totally out of my element here. I like it here. It's beautiful. I just wish she could have been with me. Victor. Victor, this world, your enemies will knock you down and they will use all manner of things to defeat you. But one day... One day, they're going to say the wrong thing, and the words that they use to tear you down, the past that they bring up, the destruction they wrought, the reminder of the people that they've killed that you loved, that weapon they use against you, one day will be the weapon with which you will stand. They will assault you without mercy, and unknowing that they've handed you the weapon of their demise, and you will strike them down with that weapon. Is that why you chose me? Stand up, Victor. I stand. You plant the sword in front of you. Okay. This is the position. And then she does again what she taught you before. She breathes in, raising her arms up. And she brings her arms down, inviting you to mimic her. I do. Arms up. Arms up. And arms down. Yeah. What is your name? Victor Irons. What is your purpose? I don't know. Why are you here? To be your champion? To be your sword? And she's gone. Tell me why I'm here. I don't know. I need to know. Also, I believe in you. I trust in you. I I put my faith in you. I'm sorry Hope doesn't. She's been through a lot. She's the closest thing I have to family here, and I'm working on her, I hope. And then as I go to walk away, I um, pause. Also, if you see Sarah, tell her I love her, and I always will. Thorin, there you are, Hope says. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, in the future, let's stick together, okay? While we're here anyway. Actually, no, at all times. I just had a visit from Hanzo. What happened? Not that I couldn't handle, but let's have each other's backs. Sounds good. And in fact, that's what I wanted to talk to you about real quick. Just because we have to work with your father for the moment doesn't mean I trust him. Okay. Well, let's stop calling him my father. 
Valerian. I killed my dad. Is he's gone? This is someone else. Okay. Or even if he, I just don't want to call him my dad. Okay. Sure. Whatever you say. Just because we have to work with Valerian doesn't mean I trust him. I'll take first watch. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I'll take second. Done. Uh, and I flop down. I sit like at the end of my cot near the tent door, just hanging out. Do you regret anything, Thorn, about what you did when you ruled the North with your friend David? We're not there yet. Hmm. There's a lot I regret, but we're not there yet. I'm sorry. Get some rest. She rubs her hands through her hair. Yeah. Victor, you have just finished showing Hanzo how to use the jetpack. You're helping to make sure it's secure on his back. Hope is talking with, looks like some soldier, and she seems pretty familiar with him. And he's handing her some objects. And she's like, okay, great. She gets a staff. You see, she gets a bag. And she says, how much? I don't know, but it's at least 150,000. She's like, well, I didn't think he'd match the number. There are two rules in life. One, the empire doesn't like to give away its money. Do you know what the second universal truth is, Victor? No. About you, Thorne, do you have a guess? The empire doesn't like to give away its money. (laughs) No, I should have thought of that. That's good. That's good. What about you, Munifex? She says to the soldier next to her. What's the uh, what's the what's the universal truth? Um, death and taxes. Ah, some people avoid death, and a lot of people avoid taxes. You hear a voice from somebody who is sitting by a nearby fire, leaning up against a cart, and he says, "Don't screw with the trees." <laughs> and Hope points at him and goes, "That's it. That's it. Don't screw with the trees." What? Look around you. What do you see? Trees. That's right. And I promise you, everywhere you go on this planet, unless you're underwater or in a desert, but even in the desert in some cases, there are trees. And there's more of them than us. They're very, very big. And uh, it takes a lot to piss them off. We build our houses out of them and, and, and it doesn't piss them off. But if you can manage to piss off the trees, you're done. Wow. So that's the number one rule in life. That, Do not piss off the trees. That saying did not make it to Kadesh. <laughs> <laughs> she laughs and she walks over to the the soldier who looks pretty haggard northern front huh he shakes his head up and down and goes yep northern front and she sits down and she starts talking with him and you can hear them talking about uh his time with the war in the north and, and she seems familiar with the topic i guess in gadesh it would have been don't trust the crystals what's wrong with the crystals everything everything's wrong with the crystals so i've kept my things first that's why I head out of my tent and start looking for the rest of the party's tent. You see they're all grouped up near each other, getting ready. They're, they're getting pretty well near ready. Except for Hope, who's sitting down, just shooting the breeze with a soldier. Is everyone ready? I'm ready. Ready. All right, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll connect later. Uh, yeah, I'm ready. Okay, then let's head out. Now, don't you get all your key back from all of it you used last night? Oh, absolutely. Good. All right. She put her hands on, on Thorne's shoulder. Hang on, everybody. Hey, you did get those straps nice and snug, right, Hanzo? Because you don't want to fall out of that thing if it, it'll go shooting right off of you. Oh, what's the worst that can happen? Uh, it will go <laughs> shooting right off of you. And- in the middle of your sentence, you guys blink out of existence, and you appear in front of the clockwork factory. You could hit one of us. It is now nighttime. You have wounds on your bodies that 
seem like cuts from something sharp. Impossibly, time has passed. What, what did you do, Thorn? Nothing. I teleported us. Is this normal? No. T- t- teleportation affects space, not time. Hanzo, have you ever heard of something like this? I don't think I have. And these are wounds that, that were definitely not there from last night. No. These are brand new, fresh. They're still bleeding. Hanzo, you've expelled three of your key points. They're gone, as if you had used them. Victor, some of your guns are out of ammo. Okay. Thorn, you've expelled a couple spell slots as well. Which ones? You know that you've casted Breath of Life, and you've casted Cure Critical Wounds, and you also are missing two level two spell slots. Victor, you casted Protection from Evil, so you're missing a spell one slot. Okay. Hope looks... And this is maybe the first we've seen her look like this here in this world. Truly terrified. She like immediately like lets go of Thorn. Hey guys, one of us died. What? What do you mean? What do you mean one of us died? <laughs> one of the spells I, I, I learned was Breath of Life, meaning if one of you, one, if someone dies or drops, I can bring them back if it's not been too long since they died. I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I can sense that I've used it. I, I cast protection from evil. Feck, I use my only level 7 spell. I use Prismatic Spray. I'm, I can't chain lightning because I've used all my level 6 shots too. Wait, what's going on? I look around. You are where you wanted to teleport. You teleport just a little distance from the factory so you wouldn't appear in the middle of a battle. The Clockwork Factory is wrecked. There is still some fire burning that lets some warm glow wash over the party. But there's no movement. Wait a minute. Does anyone remember what happened between now and should be a minute ago. I don't know. I got no idea. I don't remember at all. Is there any stuff on the ground? Hmm. <laughs> Let me think. Yes. What? There's maybe a dozen pages. Old parchment stained with black written in Abyssal. In Abyssal. Uh, so I gather up the pages and I go, anyone here know Abyssal? No, that's a that's a dark language. I never learned that. Okay, so uh, I'm going to do a couple things here, Caleb. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, I'm going to use Detect Magic on it. Hmm. Is it magical? It's not magical. Okay. Uh, next, I want to use Detect Psychic Significance. Tell me about that spell. You detect the presence of physically significant items in your vicinity. Such items often have storied histories and might have previous owners who possessed psychic abilities. Hmm. I'd say that would go off lightly. Okay, so it... it it has a light psychic imprint on it then, yeah? Yeah, I'd say so. And I'm the GM, so if I say so, it is so. Okay. Question me again. That's a down a level for Thorn. <laughs> As Thorn's looking at him, Victor kind of looks at him too, and I'm going to cast Detect Fiendish Presence on it. And it's just like Detect Evil or, or that, but except it will only detect evil outsiders. Evil outsiders. Give me a second. Okay. Yes. I don't know what the degrees are of which that spell goes off. You can tell me if there's specifics. But yes, um, very strong. If you could imagine it was a light, it would blind you with how strong it was. Well, it would tell me, like, the deities that it's connected to. It would tell you the deity. Interesting. Victor drops to the ground, holding his head. Victor, you're in excruciating pain. And all you can get is the image of an endless ocean and a gigantic cephalopod cloaked in a storm with lightning lighting up its profile. I grab my head and I Thorn, be careful with those pages. They're not good. 
and very specifically, you do not get a name, and you should. And maybe just because of your connection with Ioma you know that that spell should have given you a name. Interesting. I look at Hanzo and, and Victor. Should I, t- I, I? I can try to take a crack at reading them. Mm, I don't know if that's wise. I dealt with pages before, and they made uh, it was bad. Is there something we should know about these pages? The ones I dealt with, the ones I dealt with, was had to do with the some kind of deity, some kind of dark entity, maybe before deities. I called a Slender Man. I know a thing too about deities. Uh, he wasn't really a god. He was like before gods or are. Um, I don't have they kind of like what was it deep ones or something it wasn't good i can tell you that much you think it has something to do with what happened here and what happened to us in particular Mm, yeah i'm gonna say yes i think it does have to do with that so how should we deal with this i look at hope you're beyond my depth on this one i never mess with this stuff it was totally out of anything we dealt with like somehow survived it but if if this gets out, the use Kadesh used that kind of power to control people in my in Kadesh. Uh, I look at the guys. I said, "Let's let's take them with us for now, but we can't stay here." I don't like it, but I'm not gonna stop you. I mean, uh, the, the alternative is to just throw them away. No, we don't just throw them away, or yeah, they need to be destroyed, or just take them right now. Maybe. I am gonna fold them up and put them next to the to the uh, scroll from the demon dude. Okay. I turn to Hanzo, whisper to Hanzo, keep an eye on him. He might be replaced. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Replaced? I don't know how to explain it. I'm not... Magic's totally new to me, but I just know the last time I dealt with pages in a weird place like this, one of us was replaced. You mean like possessed? Um, uh, what... What does possess mean? What are you two whispering about over there? N- nothing. No. If anything, we should start getting to move on. Check out the factory. Hope taps herself and pulls out the bag that she was handed earlier by the soldier, and she reaches in and she pulls out some potions, and she she hands everyone some potions. Cure serious injuries. Yeah. She drinks one, and, and the cuts all over her heal up. I follow her lead and drink mine. Yeah. Me too. She hands out enough potions that everyone now has two potions of cure serious wounds on them. Okay. After having drunk one, a third one. I'm going to take out my spit battery from my arm, arc pistol, and then put a new one in there. Thorn, get uh, get Renan out. I got some gold from the Empire. I want to buy some things. Uh, I break open the scroll. In the middle of these woods, the desk reappears, the school-like desk with Renan in a three-piece suit, bluish-gray, the round glasses that light refracts off of his desk seems to take on some of the aspects of the place you've summoned him uh, as he rises from the ground out from the earth. The desk is covered in moss, much like the moss that's similar to a tree over there. In fact, out of one corner, you see a little bit of a a, a twig or something, a a small plant is growing out of it. Oh, it is so good to see everyone. Need my services again so soon? You mortals are insatiable in your want for things. That I will not repute. Hope steps forward and slams down a parchment with things that she's handwritten on there. She goes, these. And he picks it up and then looks at it and goes, Well, what an expensive list. 
If you have the gold, I can assist. And she takes the bag she got, she just starts pulling out handfuls of gold and platinum pieces onto the table, onto the table, and then she starts counting it all out. She goes, I know how much this stuff costs, so you don't try to rip us off. I wouldn't dream of it. I'm nothing if not fair to you, you must admit. Oh. Yes? Do you have enough for maybe a wand of protection from evil? Mm. I can get something I wanted to get later. Uh, I mean, I use mine, apparently, and it might come in handy. It's a caster level three. Yeah, all right. She she takes takes her finger, starts rubbing the ink off of one. She goes, skip this one. Just get the uh, the rune stone of power and uh, deal with the other one later. And uh, a wand of protection from evil for him. She counts out uh, 74,250 gold and she drops it into the, the guy's briefcase. Of course, a pleasure doing business with you. A fine relationship we're starting to accrue. He closes the briefcase, opens it up. He'll take the things out of his briefcase and he'll put the rune stone and the wand on his desk. I'll go over there and grab it. Have anything to sell? I don't just sell things I like to buy. Whatever you have, no more need of. Put on my desk, give it a try. Uh, I pull out the papers. And what would you be looking for for these? Writing is a thing that varies in price by degrees. Can you tell me what they are? I can identify them and I'll charge you a fee for whatever the answer I can. I am not interested in these items at this time. Why? I don't think Hell will find them valuable. Well, Renan, I certainly wouldn't want to push a product on you that you have no desire for, but in hopes of building a wonderful business arrangement in the future, what can you tell us about them? <laughs> Make a diplomacy check, you little scamp. <laughs> I rolled a 16 plus 6, so 22. Is this art up to deal? Ooh, trying your hand at the devil's trade, I see. Okay. <laughs> I'll bite. A morsel for free. They involve old gods in whose attention we're not interested in getting. It seems the author of the same fact is admitting. I do want to say something here because I know that the, the people are going to be on me. Uh, look, Tim, Tim, it's been six years since Tim's played this too, okay? So so listen, Protection from Evil is a first level spell. I'm My caster level is three. I was seeing that. It's a first level spell. I, I know that. Okay, just, just oh, get off my so back about emails. it. Oh, they're okay? floating in, Tim. Does it get bonuses for being higher caster level? No. Oh. <laughs> oh, maybe. I don't know. Uh, it doesn't matter. It wasn't your goal. It was Hope's goal. Right. Who cares? <laughs> That's right. Would you kindly please remove them from my desk? And is there anything else you'd like to sell that's not as grotesque? Thank you very much, Renan. And I pick up the papers and I fold them. I'm impressed you found something I wouldn't buy. It doesn't happen frequently. That's a nice-looking sword there. I could take it off your hands gleefully. Uh, I'll hold on to this for now, but in the day that I don't need it anymore, I'll reach out to you. Well, I see before me, if I look through adventurer's eyes, a dungeon full of loot and glory, I surmise. The glory I cannot buy, I'm sure, but the loot I'm always willing to haggle for. And his whole accoutrement sinks into the ground and he vanishes. Let Caleb give Tim a hint. You've made a good decision. We'll see if you use this appropriately. Um, you've made a really good decision. How many times can you normally cast protection from evil? Oh, just just uh, once a day. And and how many targets? That would just be one person, I think. Yeah, right. This was a really good idea. Yeah. Okay. Good idea. Patent him on the back. 
Well, you guys learned so much more, so much faster than I was expecting. Oh, um, Thorn uh, uses a sword, right? Yeah. Uh, Victor walks over to you and says, I want you to have this. And I hand you a small disc-shaped device. I say, this is a gravity clip. You can attach it to your weapon. The gravity clip makes your weapon act as if it's one size larger. What's your weapon a, a, a long sword? Yeah. Your long sword usually does... Instead of 1d8, it does 2d6. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think we're going to need it. But don't you need it for your sword? I got one. I had two on me. Okay. Thank you. Thank you much. Uh, and I, I uh, clip it to the pommel of my sword. Man, I was really going to get some cool robes. I'm sorry, Hope, but I think we really need this. What makes you say that? Not, not, I just have a feeling God told me. <laughs> All right, well, I guess what's there to do to but go forward? Freaking could be the title of my autobiography. <laughs> All right, so a couple things. I've already told the, um, at the beginning, I'm going to tell the listeners, you know, about splitting up the recording because they're, they're going to hear different audio quality. Uh, so they'll, they'll know about that. So it, it, it won't be hopefully as jarring. But Dom, I told you you had used a couple level, f- a couple level five spell slots. I think yep. like Breath of Life. Uh, you've used all of your level five spots. Yes. Slots. All gone. <laughs> Out. Also, I said like Hope was all like, oh, no, I've used all my stuff. Uh, I was looking at the number of spells she could learn, not cast per day. She's got plenty. She's can cast her highest level spell four more times, her next level like five more times. She's got plenty, plenty of spells. She's not as ill-equipped as as I made out uh, for us, which was uh, like two months ago for the listeners was about 30 seconds ago. Look, we're all back in. The immersion's re-emerging all around us. You can see it seeping in. And you find where Renan had left, where he had sunk into the ground and disappeared, another pair of chess pieces, the same color as the last ones you had, made out of the same material, but this time a pair of rooks. You scoop them up? Yes. All right. You find at night the factory is glowing, but not from spell or fairy fire, because who would use the spell fairy fire? Uh, (laughs) as, As actual fires darted about the terrain there's a crashed vertebrate that has recently smoldered and is out but sparks are generating blue lights there are corpses of kadeshi mostly you don't see any human or 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 i don't know what word to use homeworlders terran corpses it makes sense hanzo you know that they usually don't man these with too many humans there are some but there are definitely clockwork about that are destroyed there is a gun emplacement that looks like it was set up by the Kadeshi. The gun is pointing up. The doors to the factory are cracked open. There is no sign of life. All right. I'm ready to head over there and check it. Let's go. So you head over. You hear mumbling coming from inside the vertebrate. Mumbling like a person talking? Yes. I will uh, draw my sword and approach cautiously. Uh, I'm going to use Detect Psychic Significance. It doesn't give you back anything. Okay. The rest of you wouldn't be able to put your finger on on what this sounds like, but it is clear as day to Victor. What you're hearing is the other end of a radio. You hear somebody speaking through the radio system of the vertebrate. Uh, He says, 
This is Dalton Kern. Come in. Anyone. Has anyone there? Come in. Respond. Have I heard that name before? You have not. I, uh, you know, I'll, I'll grab it and um, click it. Say hello. Finally, a response. I need a status update immediately. Oh, everything's bad down here, man. We've been attacked. Um, everything's gone, gone horrible. What's attacked you? Clockwork. Yeah, no crap, Sherlock. I got that, but what the heck was good enough that took out the entire squad? How many survivors are there? Um, five. Five? Yeah. All right, from what units? Um. I scream in the background. Oh, my leg. Oh, I gotta go take care of this guy. Um, sorry. Uh, And I click off. All right, well, you- Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Great job, Victor. Way to give them information and not gather any yourself. I know. I didn't really give them any real information. Anyone else like to take a crack at actually getting information from this nerd? From the walkie? Oh, the radio, I should say, right? Yeah. Oh, let's attempt this. I show him how to use it. He shows you how to turn it on and everything and how to click the button to talk. Okay. As soon as you turn it on, you hear the guy screaming through the microphone. Did, did you hang up on me? Did you just hang up on me? I'm the only one to get you out of that mess. Before I think about this before I speak into the radio. Mm-hmm. Sorry, my hand slipped. Oh. <laughs> okay. Is is this someone else? I nod at him. Yes, there is. Good. Hopefully you make more sense than the last guy. What is your situation? Let me know so I can send you guys some reinforcements. What are you looking at? What's the threat like? I haven't seen anything on this planet yet that could take out a whole squad. Is there a lot of them or something? Or is it one thing? All we know is just a big mess over here with signs of possibly just a bunch of clockwork going out of control. But other than that, there's nothing we can... Would you stumble across a, a barracks or something? We've routed most of the... The uh, Coral was the seat of all the clockwork. Did you come across their standing army or something? That's what I'm about to find out. About to find out. You've been there for hours. You hear the, like, you can hear, like, his thumb come off the radio. It's like a click. Yeah. And then the click comes back. You kind of hear the static of he's transmitting. He get, Again, he goes, Who am I talking to? I'm Dalton Kern. Who do I have the pleasure of speaking with? You're a homeworlder, aren't you? Are there any dead bodies nearby? Yes. Do any of them have name tags on them? Sure, they're written on their uniforms. I look for one. You find a, a Maddox. I hold him up and I point to Hanzo, the name. This is Maddox. Maddox, huh? Okay, Maddox. Are you the one that killed my men? Don't be coy, I won't be angry with you. Truth be told, I've been looking for someone who can put up a fight. Are you my man? No, we found him like this. Oh, okay. All right, I've read of your kind in this world. Uh, I got a brief about you. Uh, You hear him flipping through papers. You're bandits? You could say that. Okay, I mean, I've got other categories here. You're uh, (laughs) militia? Uh, This one's got a star next to it. Adventurers? We'll go with bandits. All right, bandits. Listen, I have been looking forward to finding someone to fight in this planet who can put up a fight. I mean, we sacked Korhal so quick that we only got able to send the robots. My unit didn't even get to touch the ground before you all left and ran away. I'll tell you what. You stay there. I'll come over personally with a response squad, and you and I can fight. How does that sound? It'll be great. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> somebody else. You know what? We will fight, and it will be so glorious. They will they will write songs about this. That's what your people do on this planet, right? You, you, you do the songs, and they pass through to generations. You and I will live forever in this world as legend in your music, yes? 
I'm just here for money. Ah, just what the bandit would say. It says it right here for money. <laughs> okay, you stay there, and I will come with a detachment of men, and we will have a great battle. I, I can't wait. All right, don't go anywhere. I'll see you soon, Maddox. I'll be waiting. And you hear the radio hang up. <sighs> Sorry, guys. People from Kadesh are kind of crazy. Also, I'm not good at espionage. I just want y'all to know that. <laughs> Hope laughs a little bit. So that was the Kadesh. Well, my recommendation is not to be here when they get here. Well, you want to see Hanzo have a grand fight with a guy who seems really excited about fighting him? Hey, he can stay if he wants, but we have places to be, things to do, <laughs> stuff to steal. Yeah, I think we're on a little bit of a timer now. Mm. Yeah, let's get it done. I'll deal with him later. Dalton Kern. Do the bodies show any signs of what killed them? Oh, yeah. Blades. Typical with clockwork. Uh, except one guy looks like he was torn in half. Okay. Any stuff on him? Like mines, grenades? Uh, sure. I mean, maybe I can uh, quick whip together a little a little way to make some random loot. Roll um, a d6. You got it. Boom. Six. You find a Inferno grenade. This looks like a small canister, a cylindrical canister. Victor can walk you through it. You twist the top to activate it. It's a grenade. It does 5d6 points of fire damage. It's a splash weapon. Kind of like alchemist fire. Okay. Can I set a booby trap? Uh, sure. What my mind is thinking is those old Vietnam videos where like you, you guy, guy has his helmet on or whatever, the dead guy, they go to take it off and the grenade drops out or something like that. Sure. So that, yeah. that's, that's what I do with it. Victor can aid you with that if you need. He's got stuff to help you do that, like tape and stuff. Yeah, I would love that. Great. You guys set it up. You set up a little trap for any, the next people who come across this. Like I, I make it tantalizing, like like they, they can't miss the opportunity to grab at it. Okay. How do you do that? Did they have any like, I don't know. Um, we could put a good to goob tube. Yeah. I, I was going to say, Victor, is there anything here that, you know, would be of value to someone from Kadesh? I look around. Is there anything that might would stand out? Uh, probably an expensive gun. All right. Yeah. I take one of the guns. So yeah, this guy, this, this is pretty nice. Okay, let's do it. And so we, we sort of try to jimmy rig a, a trap that, you know, oh, wow, I really want that gun. They would grab for it. Okay. It is set. Okay. I am ready to head into the factory. You guys push on into the factory. You have to step over some corpses. The fight here was heavy toll on both sides. In fact, as soon as you get into the what could be called the vestibule, the, the first open area, you see two dark trooper phase one legs planted in the ground with little anchors that came out and anchored them into the ground and then just black scorch marks all around those legs going away from it and then clockwork up against the walls in all directions it blew up all destroyed and, and, and falling over. hanzo you know exactly where to go you need to go through this left door that has been pried open okay that's it this way as i head over to that direction you head through that room dom uh not dom victor nope not mm -hmm. victor we're gonna get there Thorin, I have to leave in every time I mix up your names and I hate it. Thorin, you hear from a door in the opposite direction that you're going at, some noises, some shuffling, some moving. How far away? It's just on the other side of the room, not very far at all. Okay, um, I try to let the others know quietly that I'm hearing shuffling and movement. Oh, do you, I forget, do you have Thaddeus manifested or partially manifested? Manifested, yeah. Okay, he's out as an ectoplasm? Yep. Okay. Whoever's next to me, I sort of tap their leg with the blunt of my sword, and I put my finger up to my mouth, like a shh, and I point to the door. You hear something fall to the ground in that, in that same room you're hearing the shuffling from. 
Like uh, somebody had dropped something made of glass. And they would have heard that too? Victor, Hanzo? Yes. Okay. Uh, I move toward the door and I take a position up next to it. I get beside him and I charge up my hand to fire. So I put my hand out uh, to signal, like, to wait, hold on a second. Okay. And then I sneak up to the door. I will use ghost step to just poke my head through like, <laughs> like a ghost. Just a quick little zip them through? Oh, yeah. And that's a key point, yes? It is one key point, yep. Okay. You stick your head through and you see four clockwork steeds that are... Mm, I don't know. I don't want to describe a machine as as scared, but they're like they're anxious. They're moving around a lot. They're trying to break free from their restraint. Okay, that's when I take my head back out, and I tell them it's just some uh, just some clockwork forces. No need to worry about them. I relax a little bit. Wait, what? Y'all have made made them look like horses? I'm surprised about that too. Okay. Mm, I think it's best we head over to our goal. Agreed. So for now, we leave the the door. All right, you go the way you, uh, you need to go towards your goal. The next room you come across, you find some of the moonlight is shining in as part of the roof has been peeled back. And you see two humans, homeworlders, back to back with two Kadeshi, all corpses. They're all dead, but they're all back to back with what you see is guns and supplies and batteries around them. You said homeworlders? Yes, as in people from the homeworld. You're a homeworker. Not aliens. Okay. And would I happen to recognize them as, like, staff? Definitely the two humans are staff. Okay. Back to back, were they put that way? It looks like they died that way. Oh. Like like the four of them were fighting to protect each other? Yes. So whatever's here, they joined forces against it? Looks like it. And uh, I'll go walk up to investigate the staff bodies. Uh, you find uh, a clockwork key that would turn whatever clockwork it has been molded to on one of the staff members. Find another key. It's his storeroom. He has in his hand a a jar of oil that was unused. You can see a couple other open jars that haven't obviously been used. He didn't seem to get the chance to grab this one or to use this one, I should say. This is an oil of magic weapon greater plus five. Everything else is some mundane things that you would never care about. Like, ooh, look, a, a dagger. Cool. I have a sword that's made of adamantine. So things like this that you're not so interested in. Victor's going to grab some of those batteries and hand them to the other guys who just got a jetpack and a gravity clip. So he tells them, you know, hang on to these. You'll need them. Gotcha. Okay. So I, I'll definitely hold on to the keys. And I'm also curious about that oil. And it looks like they were, unlike other people who were either killed, obviously, by dark trooper weapons or you know clockwork weapons looks like these people were cooked cooked alive their skin is is in blisters and boils bright red their faces their eyes sockets almost drained Mm, that's pretty gruesome yeah i've seen a lot of stuff but this is pretty messed up can i roll a check to see if i recognize what kind of thing would have caused this damage we're going csi now forensics Mm mm-hmm Enhance. (laughs) Yeah, a heal check. A DC 10 will get you a general piece of information. Okay. A DC 15 will get you more specific information. And a DC 20 will get you clear, clear information. What happens if my heal is 24? (laughs) Then you're going to (laughs) know. And roll just to impress us all. I rolled a 10. Keep forgetting level 15, you know? (laughs) Yeah. 10 plus 24 for a 34. Okay. 
This, strange enough, sort of is similar. It's not exact, but it's very, 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 very close to as if you had thrown boiling water on somebody. This would have been a lot of it though, because it got all four of them in his head to toe. In fact, you can see the ground almost looks cleaned a little bit around them. Is their clothing damp? Yes. So this hasn't been long. Damp, but cold. Okay. Them as corpses, uh, Caleb doesn't know how long it takes a, a cadaver to turn cold, but uh, with that heel check, you sure would, so you know that it's been a couple hours, maybe you know less than a full day. Okay. I tell all of them everything you told me. They must have been tortured then. They're not bound. Whatever killed them just did it a horrible in a horrible way. Are there any clockworks that will will would do something like this? That throws boiling water? I don't think so. No, even mm. clockwork dragons use tar or things like this. Mm-hmm. We'll worry about this later. I'll keep moving. Yeah. As you move uh, further towards your goal, going through exact paths, you see a clockwork is in mid-motion of trying to open up, force open, uselessly, the storage room room door. It is, however, long since run out of um, power. It hasn't been twisted in a while, so it it seemed to have done it until it ran out of juice. Okay. It's a clockwork mage. So it's a it's got a slender form. It's got what kind of looks like a, a mage's coat, but it's all made of metal. It's all sort of like a, a facsimile of it, uh, and it has four arms, all of them pried into the seams of this door. Okay, I want to move that clockwork mage out the way. Done easily enough. Okay, and then I attempt to use the storeroom key to open this door. If it's imperfectly unlocks, you hear some gears and cogs turn. This is a seems to be more complicated mechanism than a standard lock. You hear latches undo, and the door unlocks and opens for you. Perfect. All right. I peer in to see what's inside. It seems untouched by the horrors around it. No corpses, no sign of any battle in there. In fact, you find huge boxes that are up to your chest, huge square crates full of materials, and they're marked bronze, copper. One's labeled adamantine, but it's mostly empty, but there is still some left. You see a a bunch of slots where you could fit in clockwork spies, and they're all empty but for one. And on the opposite wall is another shelf full of spots where you could put in clockwork birds, and those are mostly full. Clockwork spies, you say? Clockwork birds, you say? (laughs) Yes. Clockwork, you say? <laughs> Clockwork Spy is a tiny steel creature with one oversized eye, a spherical body, and several spider like legs of grinding metal. These are used to go around and record audio or play it back, hence the name, not used much for combat. And the Clockwork Songbirds are gilded mechanical birds with a little voice box that you can visibly see. There's a little keychain on the wall. Most of the keys are missing, but there's a few left. I grab a key and a bird. Right, you have a clockwork songbird. Are you going to wind it now? Or yep. Save it for later. No, I will wind it now because I want to see what it does. You stick into its slot on its back. You wind it up almost like a toy. You're able to pull the key out, though, and the bird shudders to life, opens up its beak where you can see the speaker that is also on its throat, and you hear through the voice box and it's sort of a, an old-fashioned sound of a bird's chirp. I like this. It borrows some bird traits, sort of like the hopping around, but there's definitely a mechanical jank to it. This is not natural, but it does hop onto your shoulder, then hop sort of 
using the back of your neck to go over to your old shoulder. Opens its mouth again. There's like a half a second delay before you hear the imitation bird call. You see this? That's cute. I go check the spider one and just attempt to see if the key I picked up earlier fits into this one, into the spy. It does not fit into the spy. It becomes pretty clear that one of the keys hanging on the wall would work for it. Okay. Well, we'll save it for later then. I keep searching through the storage room. Are you going to take one of those? I'll take a key. How big are they? They're tiny, so I don't know what that means. I'm guessing, let's call it softball sized. I will take one. Is there any, like, okay, this is the storeroom. Is there any, like, uh, paint or anything? Uh, I'm sure you can find some paint, yes. Matter of fact, ooh, 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 ooh. Roll a D3. All right, I will. Uh, You see three paint cans. Okay. One says Plague Lands, one says Standard, and one says Praetorian. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I did a three. You get the Praetorian paint. It's a black paint. Black paint. Okay. I will take it and I will spray the songbird with it. It chirps. You you expect happily, but the truth is maybe it just want maybe it's just programmer chirp. But I don't uh. choose to believe that. <laughs> <laughs> you find a harness that has four clockwork arms attached to it. Labeled on some of the leather straps, it says arms of Merilith. It is obviously a piece of equipment you put on. Oh my, good stock hawk. Okay, I'm taking it. (laughs) While the arms lack agility to aid in casting spells, crafting, picking locks, or completing any other fine motor skill, and can't use items placed in their hands, each arm's hand can hold any item the wearer could hold in one hand, allowing the wearer to have up to six total pieces of equipment ready to use at once. Each clockwork arm, if it's wielding a weapon, can make one attack of opportunity per round, and all those attacks are treated as offhand attacks. That's pretty nice, because unless you have, I think, oh man, I'm going to embarrass myself, combat reflexes, you can only make mm-hmm. one attack of opportunity at a time. So this this allows you to get more. That's one of its uses. Okay. Well, I definitely want to wear this, then. Take it and put it on. Okay. We have our ninja with four clockwork arms. Our six-armed spider ninja. Oh, I wonder if you can use the arms to block as well. To block? Yeah. Rose fishing for an AC increase. Yeah, any mechanical thing, but if you come up with some fun thing, I'm sure we can do it, you know, once. Okay. Rule of cool, bro. That's right. Okay. But is the storage room just a one way in? Yes. It's just like it's just like a closet. Okay. And this is only to store like stuff. It's not like there's no filing cabinets or anything here. Oh yeah, I forgot all about that. Yeah, uh there there are. That you'll find uh definitely some filing cabinets. You got three drawers, one drawer labeled schematics, the next drawer labeled projects, the drawer after that labeled top secret. Oh. That's locked. Well, I'm gonna grab some schematics. Oh, it's locked all of them? No, the top secret one is. Okay, well I'm gonna grab schematics definitely. I'm gonna just kinda look through, glance through projects just to see if there's anything that might stick out. Schematics, you see all the various clockworks. You can you see them broken down into their component part in, in ways that you can understand. You think of it as kind of quaint, the way they've written this down. It's certainly not the way that you have as such a, a society that has engineered things to the extent that you have uh, would, would do it. Mm-hmm. But you can understand it. It'd be like picking up a third grade reading level book. Like, I get it, but okay. Right. Matter of fact, you kind of wonder how in the world do they actually construct things with these kind of schematics. We'll say with this book of schematics, anytime you fight a clockwork, uh, you will be able to, as a free action, every time it's your turn, ask me a question about them and I'll tell you something about them. Cool. Nice. Fight or anytime. You can always ask about it anytime, of course. 
Right, right, right. Hey, Victor. Uh, yeah. Are you planning on breaking into the top drawer? Oh, yeah. Just give me a minute. I will try to pick that lock. Sure. Definitely disable device. Well, you should allow me to do that. Oh, you think you can do it? Oh, yeah. All right. I'm going to call this a good lock. A good lock has disabled device DC of 30. Oh, then definitely. Let me try this one. Uh, all right. Yeah. I'm I'm not proud. I mean, I can do it. I mean, I'll let you do it. Okay. Oh, I missed it. I rolled a 7 plus my 20 from my stats, so I rolled 27. You've missed by 4 or less, so you can retry. Mm. I'll try one more time. Oh, man. 29. Uh, you can hear the first click, the second click, third click. <laughs> ah, but that fourth one, you're just not getting it. But you, mm. so you can still retry. Third time's a charm. Rolled in an 11 plus 20 for 31. You uh, you actually hear come out of the, the, the songbird. Uh, hi, this is the lockpicking lawyer here. And he walks you through it step by step. <laughs> you're like, oh, man, YouTube tutorials are the best. And it gives you that, that oomph you needed. And, and you crack it. And you turn the latch. And you're in. Hacker man. Man, his videos are so addictive. Like, I'll just watch them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Top secret folder. Now. Hanzo, you're the one that opened this. Yes. So what is about to happen with these documents? I will do a quick peek through them and then hide them after. What I can tell you is that nothing here is anything you've ever seen or heard of before. Oh, okay. Then I'll probably just hide them in my person. I mean, Victor's obviously, there's no hiding here. Victor's going to see. Right. Yeah. No, but be like, I'm not going to let you read it then until I get a full look at it first. Yeah, but I, I, this is my specialty. I can help you. Uh, We don't know that for sure yet. I fold my arms and I have a, just a look of intense displeasure on my face. Hope mirrors Thorne's <laughs> behavior and says, Hanzo, you offered to open the lock for him. He was obviously going for them. And uh, mm-hmm. Friedrich Jan told us to grab any documents to bring him back. Let the guy read them. Plus, I've been fighting my own people this whole time. And you don't trust me? Oh. Is Victor yelling? I've been on your side. Yes, Victor is. <laughs> yeah. You ask one more is this happening? You're leaving the podcast. You can hear him yelling. Is he yelling? Do I hear yes. this? I'm telling it to you. Of course you hear it. Yes. Dude, you have trust issues. You need to get over it. We're on your side. Fine. Yeah, I relinquish the papers then. For everyone to see. Alright, thank you. And I start Victor. looking at him. Victor. Yes. Keep your voice low. And I look toward the door. Oh, uh <clears throat> sorry. <laughs> I love the turnabout, like super angry. Then, oh, I'm so coy. Oh, I'm so sorry. Dominic is yelling. Is he yelling? <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted. Am I dying? I wanted to Am make I sure. Die? I think I'm dying. <laughs> All right. It says, "Steam-powered clockwork dragon prototype." You go through it. You're seeing designs for some sort of self-contained apparatus that can be applied to a clockwork dragon so that it can be powered through steam instead of clockwork or at least mostly i say guys i think i know what killed those people out there what is it it's a clockwork dragon but it runs off of steam plus if i'm reading this right it's a lot bigger than those other ones well i guess we know what jan's secret project was or whatever he said it was happening here yeah as you go through the schematics let me give you some piece of information that might help you it is powered by a boiler. Am, <clears throat> am I um, assuming correctly that the boiler is like its belly? Yes, it's in its belly. Its breath weapon it comes in the form of a line. Mm-hmm. It's resistant to fire. The steam boiler allows it to remain active for longer than most clockwork and remain active since it doesn't need winding. 
It has damage reduction that can be overcome only with adamantine. It retains its vulnerability to electricity. Those are the mechanics that you learn about it. As okay. for some flavor, you can see the designs. There's versions of them, and they keep getting redesigned, taking out more and more of the clockwork, which is kind of be expected. But then something is getting added in. As it gets like emptier and emptier, because it's removing the base clockwork dragon parts, it's, it's replacing it with a, a skeletal structure that's going throughout the whole thing. But it doesn't look like the skeletal structure was made by a very good engineer because it's not fitting. Like you would expect, oh, if there's a, you know, a curve, then you'd have a, a skeletal structure inside of it that would support that curve, kind of like a rib or whatever, or mm -hmm. a rib cage, right? That would that would fit right inside, but it, it doesn't fit. What? And there's a lot of trying to redesign the head. And instead of redesigning it, there's like some handwritten notes about just increase the structure of the head to contain it and things like this. Let's make an engineering check. I'm going to make this very hard. I'm going to make this a, a Caleb's not looking at his stats. So as he's not cheating. So I'm going to say this is going to, he's probably like Caleb. I have a plus 47, but a plus I'm going to make this DC 35 engineering. Okay. It's going to be rough, but we can do it. Oh, I rolled it 14 plus 18, 32. Close. Mm -hmm. So instead of giving you the full piece, can I give you a little to you? And your knowledge of engineering being a little more advanced while well, it's a different field mm -hmm. it doesn't look like this can work okay i'm going to give them the main information about the, its weaknesses and strengths and like armor and all of that and about its breath weapon and all of that and then i'm going to add these guys have gone mad with this thing like they're doing stuff that doesn't make sense to me i don't know why they're structuring it the way they are but whatever's making i don't know they're not they're not doing what i think would be the right choice and that bothers me because it seems like something might be guiding them to do something different i don't know maybe they just haven't had a lot of sleep oh uh, what can i infer from this as being one of the empire i'm not sure you'd get much different information you haven't been informed about this experiment mm -hmm. Um, not that you're often told about all the newest clockwork, mm. at least in the you know prototyping stage, you're always told about new ones. Um, so I don't think you're gonna you're gonna have much insight on this. Aside from it, it seems just as strange to you as it does Victor that it wouldn't make sense. I will uh, point like to its skull and like on the schematics and all of that, and showing Hanzo these things. Like I, I just this doesn't make sense to me. It looks incomplete. Uh, yeah, incomplete. I guess the right word. It looks corrupted. To hold on to these for now. You want to hold on to them? Yeah. I, I offer him them. Sort of as a kind okay. of, I'm trying to make up for yelling at you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you going to thumb through the project folders? Yes. All right. Since you're not going to be sitting there, like, at a later time, you can read in more detail. But it says project rhythm, phase one, prototyping, phase two, mass production, and it shows clockwork soldiers and clockwork servants. Phase three, additional factories and new types. It shows clockwork mages, clockwork steeds, clockwork dragons, clockwork goliaths. Stage four, and it shows even more ones clockwork, gunslingers, clockwork, uh, priests. And a stage after that, it shows uh, clockwork angels and clockwork fiends. Okay. I'm definitely going to grab Project Rhythm, and I'm definitely going to grab the the last project, I mean, the last 
stage with the fiends mm. and the angels. Yeah, those are two I'm definitely going to get. And with that, this room's pretty well looted. Anyone want to do with anything else in this room? No, I'm ready to move on to yeah. our destination. You move on. You uh, head towards your final destination, the control room. The control room is blasted open as you enter into this huge area. This is obviously where clockworks are, you know, come off the factory line, get put up on, on the, all these like hangers that are all running along the sides of this room. And you see there's obviously been a lot of battling here and you can see tearing through one side from like the bottom to the top on a diagonal formation is obviously three lines of like a huge claw that had gashed through it. A big sort of glass ceiling has been a dome on top of the ceiling has been shattered. And the result of that is glass all over the floor. It's what made you look up in the first place. And there is in this room, unlike in any other room, two standing survivors. They're of clockwork make. One is a clockwork angel. Brass, bronze, and silver components adorn this angelic figure. Moving gears are visible within the gaps of its metallic body. It wields with two hands a great sword. And a clockwork fiend resembling a metallic horn devil. This apparatus whirs with the sound of internal mechanisms, horns, and claws on its hands. Beyond them, you can see a pedestal placed near the end of where clockwork, when they're finished, would pass through. And on that pedestal, a place for a great big scroll. But the scroll is lying on the floor instead of on its pedestal. And they rush at you. Roll initiative. Hanzo, what'd you get? I rolled a 5 plus 8 for 13. Victor, what'd you get? I rolled a 3 plus 4 for 7. Thorin and Thaddeus. For Thorin, a 10 for 12. And then for Thorin, I rolled a 13 plus 5 for 18. Hope, Hope rolled a 13 plus 4 for 17. The Fiend rolled an 18 plus 12 for 30. Clockwork are notorious for having good initiatives. The Angel rolling a 14 plus 13 for 27. Making it the Fiend's turn first. The Fiend will rush at you. Thaddeus. That's not very nice. He's presented himself a nice target. Goes after the armored knight, glowing green with ooze. Because he can't make a, since he has to actually charge and get to you, he can only make one attack, so he will make his bite attack. 33. It does not hit. The bite catches some of the straggling, ethereal almost ectoplasm that's wafting off of him, getting no real good purchase. The angel swoops around and comes to aid and will make an attack at Hanzo with his great sword. 35. That is a hit. He does 25 points of damage. Mm-hmm. Six of that is fire damage, if that matters to you. I don't think it does. Nope. But wow. These things are fast. His sword is obviously an enchanted sword. Powerful and, and lit with a white fire. Maybe maybe Victor sees this. Maybe Thorin. But one of you will easily grasp. Oh, that's definitely like red. Like it's like phosphorus is being lit to make this white. This is not holy. It's made to appear holy. Mm. You're not holy. You're a faker. The Phantom. It is his turn. Thorin. Thaddeus, I mean. The great Thaddeus. Fan favorite. Season one. <laughs> and we, we we brought him back in all his glory. Unable to talk. Just the way we all like him. Unable to talk. Unfortunately. But able to wield righteous fury. Yes. So we're going to do the fiend as the hated target. 8 plus 21 for a 29. 29 is an exact hit to his AC. Yes. 18 damage. All right. Being a clockwork fiend, 
It has damage reduction 15 adamantine, so you only do three points of damage. Going for the second attack. Same attack roll again. Eight plus 21 for 29. Uh, and for once, this is right, because slam attacks don't suffer multiple attack penalty. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we can't make fun of Dom, unfortunately. It's a hey, hit. I read my character sheet this time. <laughs> Four plus three for a seven, plus 13 for a 20. 20 minus 15 is five. Yes. Ignore that Caleb has to open up a calculator. It's embarrassing, but you know what? I'm over it. Use your fingers, I had to go bro. through calc that's, two, that, that's what and freaking I can't do math at all, man. I tell you, that was tough. My mind's just not built for it. I believe that's the Phantom's turn, yes? Yes, it is. Hope's turn. Light him up. All right. Hope's like, man, I like using prismatic spray, but it's too much of a crapshoot versus these nerds. She will wield her metamagic rod to let her cast a spells and move action. She will cast invisibility greater on Hanzo. She recognizes that you can turn invisible, but knows that you always have to spend a little bit of your energy to do it. Mm-hmm. She's going to negate that for you. You are now invisible no matter what you do for the next 15 rounds. Whoa. Even if I attack, doesn't that break it? Not invisibility greater. Okay. Gotcha. And with her standard action... She will cast Chain Lightning, and it will be her perfected, maximized Chain Lightning. She says, if it works, why change it up? I literally learned this spell to kill these nerds. So they're going to make reflex saves. They did make a DC 28 reflex save. Fiend fails with a 25. The Angel fails, rolling a 2. 19. They will both take the full brunt this maximized blast 15 d6 so 15 times 6 is 90 and they're vulnerable so we will times that by 1.5 to make 135 points of electricity damage as electricity sparks off of her and she puts her hands forward to try to channel it in a direction it hits one of them and arcs onto the next one and then it has so much energy it's ready to continue but she sparks it off against the wall dissipating with no other targets except for humans to hit and i believe she's hit enough of them with that spell for a lifetime so let's work off that damage thorin tells her that he owes her a whole bottle of antioch and mead sorry i'm just doing the math no you're good unfortunately guys with level 15 things the gm's turns are going to be a little bit longer this we will have to live with also, I have a button on my keyboard that brings up my calculator, but it brings up a new instance. So at the end of these sessions, I always have like 19 calculators open. <laughs> Doing terrible, terrible damage. The Fiend all of a sudden whirs stronger and louder and shakes more violently. And you can see some some of its uh, metal pieces glow red and it gains 100 temporary hit points per its overdrive ability, and it looks ready to rock. Hanzo, this is your opportunity. All right. Do some magic, my friend. Some magic? Okay, I'll cast Forgotten Trick so I can learn any of the basic ninja tricks that I haven't learned before, and I'll use it for Breath of the Ancestor, which is also one point. Okay. I'll choose Sky Dragon type, and I'll try to hit both at the same time. You can do so if you move. If I move. If you move, you can line them up. Okay, it's a 15-foot cone, so yeah, I'll move so I can hit both of them. 18 reflex save to take half damage. 32 and 28, they both save. But they're they're okay. vulnerable, so it'll be doubled anyway, so just whatever you roll is what damage they'll take. You see somewhat out of thin air, you'll see a wave of lightning hit both. The clock works for a total of 21 lightning damage. You've made good purchase. Mm-hmm. Thorin, 
he is going to cast Invisibility, and he's going to maneuver behind the Fiend. Okay. And I believe that is his turn. Victor. I'm going to attack the Fiend. Wait, people are going to be upset with me. Cast yeah. a spell. That provokes, yes? Yes. That provokes, Thorn. Are you willing to take that? I'll take it. All right, let me, let me make an attack from the Fiend and try to get you with one of its wings. Ooh, one for a critical fail. Yes. You're, you're free to go, my friend. I go. Uh, go ahead, Victor. Okay, and I'm right, am I right there? I'm going to have to move or what? Uh, no, you're, you you uh, you should be good to go to get the angel. Oh, the angel? You have to move for the fiend, yeah. Then I'll go for the angel. I'll just do my full full round on the angel. Uh, first attack will be a 55. That's also <laughs> that's also a crit because I crit off a 17. So let me beautiful. Let me see if I can confirm it. And fifty to confirm. I rolled a yeah. fourteen. Yeah, you hit. Did did Christian help you with this character? Uh, it's I was just channeling Christian whenever I made this character. Okay. <laughs> Roll the damage. Alright, so the damage will be fifty damage. It's forty damage. Nice. Because of its DR, ten adamantine. And it's still alive? Yes. And my second hit will be a... I rolled a 4 plus 31, 35. That's it. Mm-hmm. Love it. 41 damage. Okay. That's pretty sad that my, my crit was not as good as it could have been. How do you destroy the angel? <clears throat> oh, I'm swinging, saying, you're not really holy, and I chop off its uh, wings and then dab it through its mechanical heart. <laughs> <laughs> as you say that, you could swear for a moment your sword glows, but maybe not. Got Thaddeus to smile. A huge clockwork steam-powered dragon roars into the room from the broken ceiling, landing near that pedestal and scroll, its feet gripping the ground, digging into it, cracking and breaking up the stone underneath, getting claws full of stone. Puffs of steam, quiet hissing, and a whirring of gears accompany this massive metal dragon. You see leather splayed out in between metal framing in its wings, a, almost like a beak-like mouth, a serpentine neck designed by, of course, Imperials. You scoff Thorin as no Imperial, uh, funny, Imperial and Imperial. It's not an Imperial dragon because Imperials make dragons based off of the classic, you know, legs, arms, and then wings, not the serpent-like dragon that was your family mm-hmm. speaking of which you did notice that when hanzo casted his dragon breath key thing he did channel an imperial dragon as opposed to you know like a blue metallic dragon but this thing looks at you with glowing yellow eyes and you can see on its back almost blowing out black smoke on four different exhaust pipes strapped to its back you see a glowing chest piece of orange pouring through slats, almost like that uh, scene in Home Alone where he goes in the basement and the heater talks to him. It opens up its mouth and it ejects a line of steam as it breathes it out at you. Everyone, make a reflex save DC 22 for half. Oh, please, oh, please, oh, please. No, I rolled a five for 12. The Clockwork Fiend is immune to its damage. 17. Plus 12 for 29. Save. I rolled a 1 plus 18 for 19. That's a failure. Then I can take half of that then. Okay. Even if I fail. Then Thaddeus rolls a 17 plus 16 for 30 something. So that's a save. And Victor, I didn't hear yours. Mine was a 5 plus 7 for 12. 
And you did not save. So I know. I'm gonna get hurt. Those of you who failed, which would be just one person. Oh, how about Hope makes a save? She's immune because uh, she's so cool. Yeah, Platform? I like that. That'll do it. And you know she's a, a GMPC, so she's immune to everything. All the time. So is that is is that what caused her to to drop a hundred something damage in one turn? Yeah. That and just getting really good at one spell. You just better hope you don't face anything that doesn't care about electricity damage. Yeah. She gets a 28, so she saves. So it's just Victor. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sorry, girl. Mm-hmm. Victor, take 49 fire damage. The bout of steam cooks you. And everyone else is going to take 24 damage. Fire damage. That's very nice. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Toasty. Top of the order, the fiend. Well, it seems that it's only options given that it has still the ectoplasm guy in front of it. Victor has disappeared. Hope has disappeared. I'm sorry. Thorn has disappeared. Hope has disappeared. Holy crap. Guys, just, you guys know who's disappeared and who's not. Caleb I'm the, like the only one that's, the right words. that's not yeah, disappeared. You, you, Hope, and the Phantom. He will target Hope. Oh yeah, who, who's the GMPC now, huh? But I'm, I'm gonna make these rolls secretly. Oh, they all miss, guys. Just believe me. 40's a hit, 32's a hit, 39's a hit, 33's a hit, 30's a hit. He hits it with his bite, two claws, and two wings. The thing viciously bites, slashes at her side with its wings, tries to puncture her through her back. Let's roll some awful damage. This is what we get for talking hope up. (laughs) I don't think it liked that she electrocuted it. That might be part of it. Doing 83 points of damage to Hope, but we're not through yet because it hit with both of its claws, and it has a special thing for that. When it makes two successful attacks against the same target in one round, its explosive randability works. Its claws ignite into explosive blast of fire. The target of the attack and creatures within a five foot radius of the Clockwork Fiend take 10d6 points of damage, DC 21 reflex save. Uh, I'm gonna say that's everyone but Victor. Make your saves. Oh, that's that's cool. Thank you. <laughs> well, you were far you were far away fighting the angel, not far yeah. away, but far more than ten feet. Oh, I rolled a ten plus eighteen for twenty-eight. So if I make the save, I also take no damage on reflex. Cool. So Thorin rolls a one plus twelve for thirteen. It's a critical fail. Yeah, and Thaddeus rolls a seventeen plus sixteen for thirty-three. Hope rolls a 3 plus 14 for a 17. She fails. 35 damage to those of you who failed it. 17 points of damage for those of you saved. Except Hanzo. Takes nothing. He's a ninja. This brings Hope to negative HP. Not by much, but by enough. But Hope has an ability. As she falls to the ground, her hand does not fall. It is still up where it was, being lifted by her ring finger, which glows. A, a, a Almost like there's a ring around that finger glows. This is part of her destined bloodline. For those of you who think I'm GMPCing her. She must make a DC 20 will save. It's successful. She's automatically stabilized and reduced to negative one hit points instead. Victor. Mm-hmm. When this thing attacks her, she's completely blindsided because she's looking at the dragon. And you see deep fear in Hope's eyes when she sees this dragon. Yeah. She does make that save, so she is stabilized automatically, and she has negative one hit points. And that is 
the fiend's turn. Nope, the fiend also does bleed, which doesn't matter because she's stabilized. Otherwise, she'd be bleeding to death. Stabilized yeah. helps her. Lucky her phantom. He's going to do slam damage again. Any additions for being flanked because Thorn's on the other side. Yep, he gets the, the plus two. And don't forget, he's hated target, right? Yep, rolled a critical fail on the first hit, plus 21 oh. for 22. Doesn't matter once it's fail. Yep, rolled a seven plus 21 plus two. So 27, 28, 29. That's a mess. It's a miss on the Fiend? It's a mess. Yep, Fiend is better AC than the Angel. Okay. Hope's turn. She doesn't have to roll to stabilize. She just can't do anything. So now it's Hanzo's turn. Caleb. Yes. Uh, I'm not trying to challenge the GM's ruling here. Um, just a quick question. Challenge away. Challenge so away. I rolled an eight. Eight last time. Um, mm-hmm. Plus 21 for a 29, and I hit both times last round. I must have been looking at the angel stats, which is 29. Okay. The fiend is 32. Not a problem. Thank you. You're right. Let's say uh, the angel comes back to life because it gets. No, I'm joking. <laughs> My bad. My mistake. I apologize. But uh, that was that was in your favor. So I don't apologize. Enjoy the gift. <laughs> Thank you. It sounds like you're complaining about a gift. Is that what you're doing, Dom? Nope. Wouldn't dare. You know what? You don't have the clockwork spy anymore. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so long as I get Oscar, I'm okay. No, no. I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought it up. My bad. Hanzo. All right. Is the fiend still up and running there? Or is it on? Yeah, it looks eggs. like the electricity uh, really damaged it. But when it kicked into overdrive, it, it, it gained a lot of hit points. So it's it's doing okay. Mm. All right. Well, time to hack out of it again. Well, this time I'll just use the adamantine sword. See if I can get something Adamantine nice will out of break it. through. It's DR, so you'll be doing full damage. Let's do it. 4 plus 17 to get 21. Miss. Miss. Uh oh. Alright, second attack. Uh, three total. Are you in a position to flank with the. Oh, phantom? I'm invisible, so it's still gonna be. Uh, oh, yeah, you're right. right. That's gonna be r- a bit rough here. Well, this time I rolled, I rolled 18 plus 12 plus 2, so it's technically 32. That's exactly enough. Perfect. Alright, first attack will do 2 plus 6 to give me 8 damage. That's the initial slash. Okay. And then I rolled the sneak attack damage on that. And then I rolled 86 to give me a total of 27 damage on top of that. Ooh, good chunk of what he had left. Okay. And then one more attack to try get another piece off of him. Oh, natural 20! Oh, roll 20 roll plus 7! Alright, I believe, man. Nope, 8 plus 7 for mm, 15. Now. I'm sorry, it does not confirm, but house rules uh, do whatever your maximum damage would be normally. Alright, max damage would be 1d8 plus 6, so that's going to be 14 first. Now I have to roll the sneak attack one more time then. So it would be 14 plus 29. Ooh, the thing is so close to dead. You got so close to taking it out. That will be my end of my turn, though. That's a full round action. All right. With Hanzo done, Thorin, can you finish off this fiend? We shall see. Uh, Hanzo, as you attacked it, though, something you noticed was that it, much like the angel, were not battle-worn much at all. They had been in maybe one battle, but they looked pretty darn new. Hmm. Factory fresh. So then I'm going to cast a spell. Okay. Uh, I'm going to cast Inflict Critical Wounds which uh, the spell functions uh, to deal 48 points of damage plus one point per caster level. Let me just double check that can work on non-living. Yeah, sure. I don't think that's going to work. Okay, so let me see if Clockwork are immune to negative energy. All right, it is a necromancy effect, which they are immune to. I'm sorry to say you should pick a different spell. You got it. So I'm just going to go full-round attack them. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. I, thought, I was I, trying I, to do more interesting things, and I'm like, no. <laughs> it's not going to work. I'm just going to try to end it, end it real quick. But it's okay. 
So the first roll is going to be a d20. 12 plus 21 plus 2. 435. 35 is a hit. Sweet. 4d6 plus 7. What are you swinging with? So I have the 2d6 from the gravity clip, plus a 1d6 from the fire damage, plus 1d6 from the cold damage, plus 7 from the sword. All right. 1d6 of that is not going to hurt it because it's immune to fire damage. Okay. So let's get rid of the third d6. So that's 16 plus 7. So that's How 20, do you kill it? 23. Um, put straight through it, straight through the gears in the middle, and just wiggle my sword around on the inside, making things, gears and nuts and all sorts of things fly off into pieces. Fire pours out of where you stabbed it, and it does fall to the ground in pieces. So pleased you are that you did not allow this thing to get another full attack. It's true horror. Victor, you are now staring down the barrel of a experimental steam-powered clockwork dragon, which takes out its giant wings and begins to flap, flap, flap up and away still gripped in its claws piles of earth and stone including stuck through its thumb a gigantic scroll a gigantic is the actual term we use i believe a very large scroll of being flavorful and it flies up into the sky what do you do as i see it fly up and i know i can't get to it i say Hanzo, I gave you that jetpack. It would really come in handy right now. But I also know that a good hope for us is hope. So I'm going to run to her and I'm going to give her a cure serious wounds, which is, I believe, 3d8. Uh, What's the bonus on that? Because it's up to 15. Is that at max level? (sighs) See, unfortunately for me, it's been two months. Listeners would be like, Caleb, you said it was plus 10 40 minutes ago. Uh, I'm going to say plus 10. I don't recall. Okay, that's fine. So I, I hold the potion up to her mouth, pouring it down her throat. Uh, 32 healing. <coughs> oh. Did we win? No, 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 not yet, but we need your help. <laughs> My help for what? The big guy. She hops up as if she's expecting to fight something and looks around and sees nothing. What do you mean? I point up and say, the big dragon, and I know you're scared and I'm scared too, but we're going to have to power through, Okay. You see its tail just now wisp away out of you, and she kind of takes a step back almost unconsciously and goes, can't, can't fight a dragon. I know, I know, but you got we've got to, and you, you have the magic. You can help. It's a dragon, Hope. Victor. These things kill scores of people. You're strong, Hope. It's a special dragon. I'm not going to fight. I've already killed one. I've fought one in my lifetime. I'm done fighting dragons. Then we're dead. Fine. Fine. Come here. Okay, I we go. gather. Yeah. Each of you, one at, one at a time, grabs you by your shoulders, and you feel as if, while you can't see it, nothing's actually happening. It does feel as if something is growing out of your back, as if you were growing wings, but you can't see them. She has casted fly on everyone. She says, we have 15 minutes. When this spell runs out, be on the ground. Because inevitably, if you don't, it'll take you there anyway. As she says that, I put on my watch 15 minutes. Okay. Can't believe I'm playing a dragon in here. All right, guys. Well, good job. I'll stay here. I'll, I'll hold down the fort down here. I'll secure our exit. <laughs> you guys fly after the dragon? Mm-hmm. Yep. So you guys ascend into the heavens. The dragon is flying up into the sky. 
You start feeling mist hit you as you go through clouds. You're going higher and higher. It even takes a few minutes to get up there. And every second you're just counting the spells going away. You're catching up to it. Let's all roll new initiatives versus the steam-powered clockwork dragon boss of doom. I rolled a 15 plus 8 for 23. I rolled a 5 plus 4 for 9. So you're, you may hit well, but boy, your initiatives suck. I know. I rolled a 13 plus 2 for 15 for Thorin, and a 1 plus 5 for Thaddeus for 15 and 6. Hope rolled an 11. The dragon, who I'm <gasps> gasp, using actual physical medium to use its stats. Amazing. I don't care what program I've ever used, I always write down the initiative order on a piece of paper and keep track of HP on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Clockwork gets good initiative. Oh, it didn't roll great. 14 for the dragon. Hope did not cast fly on on Thorn. I think you're going to have to keep him partial manifester in your head, okay? Okay. Hanzo, you are up first. I'm going to give you one last round of this greater invisibility before it wears off. Uh, fair enough. You're all about 20 feet from it, but kind of spread around because you guys were, you didn't want to clump up for any breath attacks mm-hmm. to begin with. Okay. And also don't worry so much about, well, we're moving and is the wing going to do this? Don't worry about the kind of stuff. Okay. It's mm-hmm. kind of a set piece. We don't have to break out our, our protractors. Okay. So I'll attempt to land on its back and uh, strike it then. All right. So I'll do a sneak attack on probably one of its wings or something. Roll a 10 plus 17 for 27. 27 is a miss. A miss? And I did move to go attack it, so that's probably it for now then. That makes it Thorin's turn. Okay, so Thorin is going to summon a level 4 monster. He is going to summon things glitching, but I'm going to summon a Pteranodon, which is a pterodactyl-looking thing. Oh, perfect. All right, it's a full-round action, so that'll finish at the start of your next turn. You got it. The dragon. It will open its mouth and uh, use a steam horn to make a... Loud blast of sound. Everyone make a fortitude save. Oh. DC 22 fortitude save. I rolled a 14 plus 17 for 31. Thorin rolled a 4 plus a 17 for 21, and Thaddeus rolled a 19 plus 12 for 31. Hope got a 3 2. 22. Thorin, you are deafened from the loud blast of steam, the sound, I should say, and they roll the damage. 46 damage to Thorin. Everyone else takes half. I take none. Let's go. No, this is a fortitude save. This is not a Oh, fortitude. Gotcha. Okay. So it's 23. Down here in the muck with us mere mortals, Hanzo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's cooldown for that is you rolled a 3 and a d4. I probably should have told you that. But with that, its turn is over. Hope. Hope mumbles to herself. I can't believe I'm fighting a dragon again in the air. Well, all we need is that scroll that's holding. She says, looks like I used the rest of my metamagic wand with whatever happened with the teleport. I'll give it a taste of its own medicine. She picks blue dragon to do a 60 foot line electricity 12 d6 points of damage to do 51 potential damage depending on whether or not it makes it safe dc for dragon's breath for her is 24 it failed its save and because it's vulnerable that 51 turns into a 76 points of damage noise it is now after hope's damage victor's turn okay i'm gonna try to do something here i want to fly to the um the dragon, and I want to throw one of my Silexes, which is the explosive. It's a it's a clay, so it should stick mm. to it. 
I want to try it because I know I've seen the schematics of this. I want to try to throw it at the boiler part of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Smart um, fish. I guess just make a rangeable range attack. Does that sound good to you? A range attack? Mm-hmm. I can do that. I guess you would do a thrown weapon, which uses your strength instead of your dex. All right. All right. I rolled a 12 plus 24, 36. Yes. That hits its AC exactly. Yeah. You get it where you need to. Normally, I'd make the AC harder because you're picking a spot. But since you were doing a throne thing that's a little more difficult anyway, I just head it to regular AC. Right. So I you get the boiler. It. I'm going to fly like a, oh, like as I'm moving, you know, throwing it and then fly away. That would be my move. I mean, that would be my action because that's... Okay. Hanzo, back up to you. All right. I tell everyone here, all we need is that scroll. We don't have to actually kill this thing or commit to it. And that's when I fly over to its talents that has grabbed hold of it and I attempt to yank it away from it. Okay. Let's make contested your CMB versus its CMD. All right. So I'll be rolling this here. I rolled a 15 plus 14 to give me a 29. You failed. It's CMD is 59. Oh, so it's impossible then. (laughs) I don't think you could quit that either, right? That grip. I don't know, actually. That grip is so tight. There's no getting it out of there without ripping the scroll completely. Mm. Then the only other choice is to cut off its leg then. Uh, So that sounds to me like a move in a standard. Yes. Because you went from the back to down there. So we're going to go to Thorn. Okay, back to the top. Yes. The some, oh, yes. The monster appears. Your pterodactyl. You can just have it. It, it can. It can go now or after you. Whatever you choose. Whatever you choose. Okay. So then, what this is going to do is it's just going to try to distract it. So it's going to try to just fly around in front of its face. It'll do an. It'll do an attack just as a as an as a distraction. Okay. So I'm going to roll that. Roll the critical hit. Twenty plus five. It's the only way it could have hit. It hit. Roll a confirm. Can we get two twenties in a row? 14 plus no. 5, 19. No, but do maximum damage. Okay. feel a little bit good about myself. 16 damage. 16. It has DR 15 adamantine. It did it in total. A level 3 character did a 1 point of damage. That is better than I ever thought it was going to do. <laughs> It'll probably be the only hit it gets, but I'm not trying to All right. throw my hopes uh, on it. But it makes it your turn, Thorn. Okay, so I am going to cast another spell because I'm hurting. So I'm okay. also going to cast Cure Critical Wounds. Okay. Yeah, and that's my turn. It's the dragon's turn. And the dragon does a barrel roll, does a full 360 flip. And while it does it, it is wildly slashing with its claws, biting with its mouth, trying to hit you with its wings, its tail. It's doing the fiercest thing a dragon can do. Some would argue with its breath weapon, but a full round attack. Its bite would normally go to Thorn, but instead it's going to go to the Pterodactyl. 53 to the Pterodactyl. That would be a hit. 32 damage, and six of that is fire, if that matters. It's gone. It bites its head clean off. One of its claws will go to Hanzo, since he's no longer invisible. Hanzo, a 54. That's a hit. 24 points of damage, plus... Mm -hmm. I forgot to do three points of fire damage. The steam power has just made it so hot that all of its attacks do a little bit of fire damage. Gotcha. So it's 27 then, right? Yes. All right. The tail slap will go to Hope. 50. Oh my gosh. This is the second edition. He rolled a 19. Uh oh. Let's see if he crits a 19. He does Uh-oh. not. Yes. Good, because Hope would not be able to survive it. Okay. I'm actually sure she can survive this. Oh, she, she's at 31. No. 
Honestly, that was Caleb's dumb. I'm so distracted. I should have had her pop a few, at least one thing, but I, I was just, I'm juggling so many balls. Oh, 36 points of damage. That knocks Hope out, who begins to fall slowly and not quickly as enacted by gravity, but just quit slowly starts floating to the ground. It, he hits her with his tail, which like whips her down fast, but you see her somehow slow down. And that is its tail. It still has two wings. It's going to spread those wings between Victor and Hanzo. Mm -hmm. Victor, 48. That's going to hit. 23 points of damage. Okay. And to Hanzo, 47. That's a hit. 13 points of damage. Okay, that puts me in the negative now for the first time. Oh, no. That knocks you out? I am minus six, so yes. Out of uh, 106. Okay. And its last claw attack will go after Thorin. 35, Thorin. Hit. And as the claw goes to you, the head of this dragon whips around and bites at its own arm and claw to stop it from attacking Thorin. And the attack does not connect. And the dragon roars at its own arm. With the dragon's turn done... Hope. Nobody needs to hear about her saying. Victor. Hanzo is out. He will begin free falling at his turn. Oh, man. Caleb. Yeah. It roared. Mm -hmm. It is. Would I. If it's speaking normal dragon speech, would I understand it? Every sound it's made so far has been alien. Okay. Uh, alien in the sense that it's a clockwork mimicking a roar. Okay. And even so, it's probably not even it trying to roar. It's just the sound of when it opens its mouth, the sound of the steam coming out, whatever. Okay. But the roar at the arm had a tinge of draconic in it. And you could make out fuzzily the word no. Hmm. Victor. All right. Victor's going to start flying towards Hanzo to catch him. As I'm going, I'm going to hit a detonator to the Silex. All right. What does the Silex do? It's going to do 66 points of bludgeoning damage and then 66 points of fire damage. Roll. All right, I'm going to do the, bl the bludgeoning first. So it's doing 24 bludgeoning and then 33 fire damage. All right. The 24 bludgeoning is reduced by 15 for its adamantine mm -hmm. to 9. And the 33 fire damage is reduced by its resist fire of 30 to do three points of damage Ugh. for a total of 12 points of damage. So you're over to Hanzo. Move action to get to him. We'll call it a, a swift action to hit the detonator unless that calls out a different action. You have a standard left. I'm gonna grab him. Okay. All right, I'll shove my other one in his mouth doing the cure 3D. Is that your last one? Yeah. And I'm hurting bad. It's going to do 19 points of damage of uh, healing. Heal 19 hit points as you wake up in the burly, strong, and one metal arm of your savior, Victor. <gasps> what happened? We got to figure something out, man. We're we're all hurt really bad. We can't make it through this. Uh, I look around at everyone's situation there. Uh, everyone, what's, what's your hit points at right now? I'm at 33. Uh, I am at 75. Okay. And then I look at Hope. She's also still falling, right? Yeah, she's, matter of fact, starting to be far away beyond, because you guys have kept moving forward. She's okay. pretty much out of this now. Okay, let's fall back for now. Let's get her then. All right, you, you, you fall back away from the dragon? Yeah. Thorin and Victor, do you reciprocate or cooperate? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to fall back. You all fall back from the dragon. As you do, uh, Thorin 
the dragon looks at you as you leave, but continues its flight. You guys are going to have two rounds of respite to do what you want. If you take any longer than that, you will lose the dragon. Okay. I uh, I do take note of its direction that it's flying to. Okay. And I don't think we can fight that, so I think we have to give up on it for now. I could try to talk to it. That's an option. Let's try that then. But let's get her first. Yeah. I scoop down to grab hope. Okay, that'll be one of your rounds. Uh, can someone heal me with something? I have nothing. Okay, then I pass you one of my potion of cure serious wounds while I drink my other one. Okay. Hanzo, it's one of your rounds drinking your potions. Victor, you're taking a round drinking your potion? Yep. Everybody's got one more round to do something with? I'm going to stabilize hope as a, a critical, cure critical wounds. 48 plus 15. 16 plus 15 for 31 hit points to return to her. Okay. She kind of gently falls in your arms as you, as, as you go into the air. You give her the potion. She slowly comes back, shakes her head, and says, Did we lose? Yeah. <laughs> Not yet. Uh, he wants to talk to it. It's a machine. You can't talk to it, Orin. It stopped its attack against me. She raises an eyebrow. It might be a cybernetic like me. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I speak draconic. It said no. She uses up the rest of her level three spell to give the re- all of you haste. Everyone now has haste. Great. And she says, I'm too hurt to fight anymore. This is the best I can do for you. All right. Take care. Um, I'll try to keep up with you from below here. Just don't get in the melee of it unless you have to. If you have, if you could stay at range, stay at range. It's a machine that can't strategize as smart as us. And she will give... I know I'm breaking my two-round rule, but since Hope's going to be completely out of this battle, she will give Blur to Victor. Okay. There's a little, a little uh, hillbot out uh-huh. here. I like Blur. In freedom of movement to Hanzo. Oh, Pretty much nothing can in, can stop your movement. Uh, like not like walls. I mean things that would have, like oh strong wind, underwater, things like this. Gotcha. Oh, thank you. Now, hurry, you're gonna lose it. Uh, I dart after it. And if it comes to it, she's shouting at you as you guys are flying away from it. If it comes to it, and you need to choose, just consider this: Do you want to die for Valerian? Uh, yes. Uh, no. <laughs> so you guys are gonna catch up back with it. We all start. 20 feet away, which is out of its 15-foot reach. Reroll our initiatives. Alright. Yay. <laughs> it's the same. What? It's the, sa- it's the same. I rolled a 5 plus 4, 9. That's what I had before. Oh my gosh. No, I got an 8, so 10 minus 2. 10 minus 2? What are you talking? Why do you have a minus 2? You have a minus? I'm deafened. Oh, the deafened's wearing off by now. Oh, okay. I guess hence why you could hear him say no. <laughs> I forgot about that. 10 plus 2, which is 12. 12 for Thorn. Hondo? I rolled a 5 plus 8 to give me 13. The dragon got a 20. The dragon, whose biggest chunk has come from the electricity, still alive and kicking, gets to go first. With all of you out of its range, it will target Hanzo with its breath. I thought I was out of range of it. His, his breath is 100 foot wide. No, it's not going to get hit by its okay. wings or claws or anything. Make a reflex save DC 22. 22? Okay. You got it. I rolled 15 plus 18 to give me 33. All right. You would take 61 points of damage on a fail. Do you take? No. None. Not a zip. The steam comes at you. How do you quick? How do you dodge the steam? I drop down up below it. Uh, the steam passes over your head. Singes. You know, makes. Oh, your your hood's a little damp now, but you're good to go. That is its turn. It's Hanzo's turn. I attempt to speak of draconic. Slow down. It keeps looking at Thorin, but doesn't seem to respond to whatever you say. Ooh, interesting. 
Okay. Well, now I'll cast Shadow Clones this time. Okay. For one key point. But I'll still stay out of range of the of its melee attacks, though. Smart. One, D4, plus five. I roll a two, plus five, so I'll have seven clones with me. Okay. And that will be my turn. With that done, it is Thorn's turn. Thorn, as you are examining this creature, it did take a set whopping 76 points from Hope. So some of it's, you know, contained, unlike other Clockwork Dragon, which you can see all the gears, this is all mm-hmm. contained sort of sort of material mm-hmm. mo- mo- some of it's tried to be flexible but a lot of it's metal but uh, there's some flexible i don't want to call it leather but something enough that it can bend and you can see a lot of that's torn some steam is pouring out but in between the the bouts of steam you see something earthen colored inside this suit for lack of a better term earthen colored i keep the same distance i'm at but i fly up next to its head okay uh and i let it see that i'm sheathing my sword uh, and I say, brother, let us stop this madness. Let's reason together. In 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 draconic, of course. It hisses at you back in draconic. Most most of this clattering sound of steam and metal jaw scraping metal jaw. It's a one way hinge. This can't move left and right like ours. It can't make speech. So it's the most awful draconic you've ever heard in your life. But because you grew up with a dragon, you you can still decipher it enough. Since it was essentially, you know, your first language. Mm-hmm. Fight. Pain so loud, it hurts. And it snaps at you, but you're too far away for it to get you. Uh, I'm going to make that a move action for you to get there. You still have your standard. I'm going to keep talking to it for my standard action. Okay. Um, let me help you. I can fix you. So loud. Bring peace. I nod. Hmm. It's not nodding. It doesn't think you understand. Give you one last phrase since you're taking up your whole standard action with this. Sure. I point to its belly, or where, where the brown earthen thing is, and I go, I can help. Hmm. I can I can make it quiet. It says, just as almost as indecipherable as the rest of its speech, Bear your fangs. And your turn is going to be over. Victor. <sighs> what to do? I'm going to fly over close by Thorin, where the dragon can see me, and I'm going to show it my arm of metal. I can't speak Draconic, so I can't say really anything, but I'm trying to show my mechanical parts. Uncharacteristic of any clockwork you've ever fought, it expresses emotion, a frustrated roll of a head, <sighs> and it is, it is disengaged from the conversation, and it looks ready to fight. Okay, then I'll... That was my move. Um, mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to use co- uh, my arm pistol. My Oh, man. I know it rolled in that once. So I miss. Oh, unfortunately, it fires wildly missing. The dragon, as to illustrate what he's trying to say, bears to his left to get close enough to you, you two to attack. I guess not Hanzo, but now he's close enough to Victor and Thorin, and he will do a slash at Thorin. No, Victor. Okay. It's got to roll a one to miss me, so... 53? Mm-hmm. 27. Okay. Six of that being fire, and that is his turn. Hanzo. All right. Well, it seems like negotiations has failed, so let's make it listen by force. I will use... What do you call it? Forgotten Trick again for one point. I'll relearn my Breath of the Ancestor for another uh, point. We'll stick with Sky Dragon for the electric... Uh, okay. damage. Have it make a 
18 reflex save first. 35, it saves. I'm rolling it 19. saves? Alright. Wow, that's actually one of my better rolls here, too. I rolled a 32 out of my sneak attack damage of my lightning breath. It would normally take half of that, but it's vulnerable, so it's taking 32. Alright. An involuntary roar of pain, which no clockwork has ever roared in pain, but this one does. That's a first. Thorns. With haste, by the way, you can pretty much maneuver wherever you want in one move action. Okay, yeah, so that's what I'm going to use my move action. I'm going to get right up next to the brown thing under its belly. Okay. Um, I try to take a look at it now that I'm closer. It's the outside protected part of its boiler with a scorch mark where it was had some Silex detonated. Standard action to draw my weapon. Okay. Well, you can draw your weapon as part of a move. I do that. I'm going to try to try to attack the boiler directly. Go ahead. Because Thaddeus is partially manifested, I get the tendrils. Okay. So I'm going to do a 20. Critical hit. Uh, roll to see if it's uh, confirm it. Four plus twenty-one for a twenty-five. That is not a confirm, but do maximum damage. Seventeen damage on the boiler. Subtract with fifteen because of its DR animantine. Two points. Okay, and then tendrils. Another twenty. Oh my god! Oh man! Critical fail. <laughs> the duality of man. Whoa! Swinging one way and then the other. Uh. I feel like that should negate the maximum damage, but go ahead, do maximum. It's 17 damage. All right, another two points of damage. And we're going to attack Does one Thorn more have time. no spells that do electricity or do other things? Nope. He had it as a magus, not as a spiritualist. And all of his inflict damage attacks do not apply to a clockwork dragon. They don't apply to normal clockwork. I mean, so th- that's that's what I tried to do with the fiend, the inflict, sure. uh, um, mm-hmm. inflict yeah. serious wounds, and you said it wouldn't work with him, so I assumed it wouldn't work with this guy. Yeah, it definitely didn't work on the normal clockwork. One more attack with the tendrils. Oh, yes, yes. Five plus 19 for a 24. Miss. Heard. Victor. I'm going to stay away from this thing. I'm going to move away from it, because if it touches me one more time, I'm dead. So I want to get out of his okay. range. Note to self, target Thorin. Yeah, target Thorin. No, Victor. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll fire at it. So that's a move. And so I'm just going to fire one shot at it. 34 to touch. It. I'm going to do not a lot of damage, but five electricity damage, which will be 10. Okay. And that's me. Oh, yeah, you're right. 10. Okay. Nice. Lots of damage. Yeah. Victor Dragon's turn. The dragon, having been hit with the strongest attack of this group, being the electricity from Hanzo, lets its wings catch some of the wind a little bit to drag backwards and get to Hanzo and does a bite at him. Oh, you're facing me now. 42 to hit. It will hit, but you would have to roll 1d8 to make sure you hit me or the clones. All right, a one is a hit. Five, it strikes and instantly vaporizes one of your clones. All right, six clones left. I'll keep track of that there. You just avoided 30 points of damage. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't even realize I didn't make it. This isn't even the, the most powerful steam clockwork dragon. He's just huge. He could be colossal for creation. Hmm. Oh, well. Oh, well. We're, mistakes. Sh- we're struggling with this one, so. Yeah, but it could be worse. And that'd make me happier. Yeah. Dragon's turn is over. Setting it up for its turn next turn. Hanzo! He put himself in my range now. Yes, he's he's got a 15-foot range. He doesn't want you to run away, but I think 
He's smart. No, he would have gone right next to you, because I don't, as per Hope's advice, he's not smart enough to stay in certain ranges, so he, he, he got right next to you. Okay. Am I considered flanking him with where I am versus where the other two are? Fortunately not, because he moved away from him to get to you. Ah, okay. Mm. And while his range is 15 feet, everyone else needs to be right next to him. Gotcha. Alright, let's use Vanish to get closer and then sneak attack. So one point of uh, key pull right there. Okay. So that's that's my swift action. Then I'll use a full round action. And with my haste, I should be able to plan a bunch of attacks as well. Since you have normal vanish, only your first attack is a sneak attack. Fair enough. And with vanish, I get plus two on that, I imagine. Two, right? Mm -hmm. So I rolled a nine plus 18 plus two. So I give me 29. I'm sorry to say it's a miss. Miss? All right. Second attack then for regular. Wait, 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 wait. Hmm? I just need to... I need to look up something. This yeah. little creature gets a plus two bonus on attack rolls and it ignores its opponent. I have been robbing you. I don't know how many times you've attacked while you're invisible and missed, mm -hmm. but invisible does more than a plus two bonus. Invisible is a plus two bonus and you ignore your opponent's dexterity bonus to AC. Oh, I keep forgetting about that. Which is a plus six in this case, which brings it down to an AC from 36 to 30. What'd you roll? Rule 29, so I did not hit it yet. Oh, I tried. I didn't even try to cheat. I tried to give you rules as written. I'm, I, yep, I apologize fine. if any of your invisible attacks missed earlier. Something, because I'm juggling so many balls, Try it might be better for you to remember in the future that when you're invisible, they're denied their mm -hmm. dex bonus. Right, that's because that's how sync attacks work in the first place, why deny right, the exactly. dex bonus. Right, exactly, and that's why invisibility triggers it. I'm, tr I'm trying to see if there's anything here we can get you that plus one from. Yes, there is! Something that I've what? wanted to do since before you guys took to the air. Yeah. The Clockwork Songbird springs to life seeing this attack and chirps out a little melody. Mechanical musicality is the name of this ability. It sings inspiring anthem. It sings a little hopeful song that, though somewhat piping and thin, it rings true across the battlefield and instills a sense of duty in the hearts of the Songbird's allies. As long as the Clockwork Songbird maintains its inspiring owl anthem, all allies within 60 feet get a plus one morale bonus on attack and damage rolls. That's a 30 for a hit. Rules as oh written. I'm the greatest GM that's ever lived. <laughs> Everyone knows the greatest GMs remember everything only at the last minute. <laughs> this is... This is... <laughs> only on the center attacks here. So I rolled a 7 plus 7 to give me 14. On the first attack. And you're adamantine, so you hit through the DR. That's right. And then I rolled the sneak attack damage here. And for this, I rolled a 27 on top of that. All right, so 41 damage total. I wonder if I can heal off of that then. Let me see. Let me just double check what this vampiric actually means. It still says it only counts on living targets then. And now the question is, based on what we've been told so far, is this dragon considered living? And sort of an unliving sort of way it counts as undead and mm. you see it hanzo clear as day maybe you all spark it because hanzo's strike rips it open great enough that you see shoved inside of this dragon is the skeleton of another dragon and the skeleton doesn't fit not because it's too big but because it's the wrong shape almost like you try to shove a different kind of dragon inside of a different kind of dragon's skin. Completely different type. Victor yells out, I think I was right! <laughs> I'm sorry, it does not heal you. Then I will continue my attack then. With the haste uh, spell, I got three more. 
top of this. So let's do it. Then I rolled a 11 plus 18 plus 1 to give me 30. That's a miss. It's 5 plus 13 for 18 or 19. Put with a plus 1, so that's still a miss. Alright, right, last one. This will be the one that will take it home. Come on, 20. Where's our 20? Bring our 20. Hard 20. Come on. Let's see. Plus 8. Here it comes, boys. Here we go. No. I rolled a 17 plus 8 for 25. Oh, sorry. Still not. a miss. But you did do a, a good number of damage. You have brought it down where you see steam is billowing out of all these spots. It comes out. The wind is taking it almost back like smoke. That black smoke that's coming out of its exhaust things is, is getting muddled. And it's, it's coming out stuttering. And there's like thin lines of steam coming out of puncture holes in it. Thorin. It's undead, technically. Mm-hmm. I can't cast animate dead on something that's already animated, yeah? Correct. Okay. Would You have animate dead? I do, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. For my turn, I'm going to cast bone shaker, and I'm going to make it try to bite at the, the foot that has the scroll on it. DC 18, fortitude, or partial or negates. All right. It fails. Bring its arm up to its mouth and gnaw on its hand, making a bite attack, tearing away pieces of its metal exoskeleton. A 48 hits its AC of 36. It does 26 damage. It's going to not do the D6 points of fire damage because it has resistance 30. 26 points of damage. And funny enough, it has, under special attacks, adamantine weapons, which means it'll overcome its own DR. Nice. So 26 points of damage. It tears off one of its claws. It can now only make one claw attack. It does tear the foot off with the scroll. That foot begins to fall to the ground. On everyone's next turn, it's the last turn you have fly. Victor, you still have a turn in this round, so you have this turn, and then it's your next turn that you end up with fly. Victor, your turn, what do you do? I need to ask a question that's probably gonna anger you. How far away is the dragon from me? Victor Irons! I need to know this because of my It range. backed off to get to Hanzo. Mm-hmm. It was in within range of you. It's got a 50 foot range. Yeah. So it, it backed off. And, it, and I specifically said it wasn't smart, so we got right next to him. So it is 30 feet from you. From me? 15 plus 15. Yes. Okay, so that's in with the rain. I'm going to do full attack on it. By the way, at this point, this thing is is starting ragged strips of this material that's on it are, are flying off of it. it. It's pretty beat up. Great. First attack. I rolled a 2 plus 18, 20 to its touch. Hit. Yeah, I was hoping. Five damage, which is ten because it's electricity. Okay. And then my second attack, which is hasted, so it'll be the highest. Twenty-seven to touch. Hit. Doing six points of damage or three. But it's vulnerable, yeah. And then my third attack, uh, seventeen to touch. I rolled a four plus thirteen, seventeen. Okay. Seven electricity, and I have one more attack. And that's a plus eight. Uh, 16 to touch. Exactly hit. Okay, good. And so last damage will be 10. 20 20. points. Okay. Still kicking, but bad. Good. I'm done. Electricity has short-circuited everything. You see part of its boiler explodes. Now the fire is billowing up, obfuscating its face as it starts to scream with the fire obscuring, the smoke obscuring its vision. Uh, Physics doesn't work like that, but don't sass me. The dragon screams in pain, more upset than ever. Make it stop! Make it stop! It's gonna full attack Hanzo. Hanzo, how many clones do you have left? I believe it's six. 
Alright, here we go. One claw attack, because it bit off one of its claws. Mm-hmm. 41. That's a hit. One D7. Five. He hits a clone. <sighs> 48. That's a hit. One. His claw's less than his bite, so it's good that he got hit by the claw. 26 points of damage. Mm-hmm. 26. Got it. It's tail. 47. 47 will be a hit. That's a miss. You got a two. Two wings. Two more hits. Come on. Here we go, baby. 34. 34 is a hit. Two. Another clone gone. And the last one is a 40. That is a hit. Let's roll that 1d4. Two. Oh, two. oh my gosh. So many twos <laughs> in a row. That's three twos. <laughs> and there goes another clone. Your clones just mm-hmm. saved you from a full attack of a dragon. Beautiful. You love to see it. That's it, it. It seems fierce. It seems upset. It seems mad. Not mad as an angry, though that too, but mad as in crazy. Hanzo, your flying is going to end this turn. At the end of your turn, what do you do? Quick, everyone, let's just grab the scroll and get out. That's all we need. And I swoop down for it. As the dragon sees you guys beginning to leave, it screams at you, Thorin. You're not done yet. Finish everything that's on your plate. Thorin, that's exactly what your dad used to say to you. And you look and you realize that the skeleton that has been warped and shoved into this metallic dragon shape is the skeleton of an imperial dragon. And that's why it doesn't fit. I dart toward him. So instead of barrel rolling backwards, what I'm going to do is make myself as tight as possible to give myself speed. And using Mm -hmm. Hope's haste, uh, I sort of put my sword point forward and I try to find a gap in the armor at the base of the skull. So you tear forward sword finds purchase you almost rip your arm out of your socket as you land on the dragon it's screaming trying to shake you off and you see hanzo ready to dive down for the scroll victor two i assume Mm -hmm. he's trying to shake me off as my sword is sort of jammed up the back of his skull yeah your 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 grip on this dragon is tenuous at best Mm -hmm. and the fly spells done Uh, I shout to Hanzo. Hanzo, I need help. Hanzo, you see the scroll fading fast. If you don't go after it now, it might be gone. Hanzo, I can't do this by myself. We don't need to kill it. Let's just get the scroll. Hanzo, please, I need to kill him. He needs to die, please. And I, I, I say it in Draconic. Hanzo, you almost see a tear get whisked away by the wind. I take one good last look at the scroll. Then I will fly up there to land on the dragon. Make a reflex save to grab this dragon as your fly spell ends. And you're choosing to land on the dragon. Gotcha. Or an acrobatics, whatever, you know, or other thematic skill. Then I'll use my acrobatics here. Five plus 20 for 25. You latch on to a piece of the bone as you reach deep inside this machine to latch on and it gives you enough grip that you are able to plant yourself onto the dragon you climb your way hand by hand dragging yourself up against this unbearable wind and this this rolling around of the dragon to hold on you get up to thorin let's make reflex saves so you can hold on to him trying to to toss you off i rolled a 13 plus 19 for 32 to grab onto 18 plus 12 for 30. You both hold on impossibly as steam is blowing in your faces and you can see where Thorn's sword is slowly driving out of. It was right above the neck bone, the back of the neck of the dragon, but now it's slowly starting to pull out. In Draconic, I say lift the plate. I want to plant both my feet on the neck 
and use that as a way to like brace myself to pull back the plate. I key charge to on the plate to weaken it. The key charge starts spreading out through the metal, allowing you to bend it, almost how metal is allowed to bend once it gets hot. As it gets so seeped with this key, it bends, and the key starts seeping around the spot that you're holding your hands. With the additional room, instead of on my hill, I put my hands on the cross guard, and I use all of my strength to drive it forward, to cut the neck bone. As you strike fiercely, there is a loud snap as the bone breaks, and an explosion as all the key that was around the area poured out from Hanzo is activated. The explosion throws Hanzo off. Hanzo, you're in free fall. What do you do? I will use unbound steps to essentially just walk on air until I can descend. Using maybe the last of your key to get to traverse what you need to, to safely reach down. Finally. Well done, my son. You flew like a dragon. And his body gets limper and limper, the forward momentum slowing down. Grip around the neck like a hug. You you died on the winds like a true dragon, father. You can hear last of the steam coming out of the failing boiler, but it sounds to you like a last breath a death coil and a sigh of relief all combined into one it's quiet now now only the sound of the wind which is gentle he's beginning to fall he goes limp completely and you see moisture begins to gather around the empty eye socket long since devoid of flesh and the moisture gathers into a great big dragon-sized tear and that tear crystallizes i reach for the, the crystal as you hold it it feels like you have a car engine in your hand it vibrates so much it shakes the bone in your arm and you think it's gonna shatter you have to grab it with your other arm try to hold it close to your chest it takes so much of your concentration just to hold this thing that you don't notice the winds picking up around you but Victor and Hanzo do as they see a great big tornado quickly form engulfing Thorin. A green glow comes from the heart of the tornado and then bursting out of the top of it comes a long imperial forest dragon. The dragon snakes straight up into the sky, weaves into the clouds, and Thorn is seen no more. Trailblazers is part of the Trailblazer Network.
For other great RPG podcasts, visit our website, tblazer.net. Want to get in touch? Email us at tblazernetwork at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at tblazernetwork. Your players have been David, Dom and Tim and Caleb has been your GM. This is Johan Martins. Thanks for listening. How, how do you... It, it's going to take a lot of strength. How, do you, how are you going to get this up? With my strength check. <laughs> no, I mean, like, <laughs> I try really hard, Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> I try really hard. <laughs>